flags, fascists, and fights. It's another edition of Marvel vs. Marvel, the podcast where someone who has never read a Marvel comic book before in their life watches a Marvel movie or TV show and then quizzes someone who has been a lifelong Marvel fan who has been reading for 30-odd years and was taught to read with Marvel comics. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of that MVM. I am one of your hosts, comedian and Marvel expert Mr. Rob Holden, and I'm joined as ever by the man who is powered by pure ignorance. It's Will Preston. Hello, I'm here. I'm powered. I'm going to be uh, depowered soon. Carbon neutral all the way, ignorance. Uh, yes, that's right. I said some words. Carbon neutral Will Preston. That's, neutral that's another good ignorance. one. Yeah. Well, we are we are edging towards merchandise, so we need to consider all these uh, possible t-shirt ideas. Carbon neutral Will Preston. I think powered by ignorance is the one people are talking about. This is the very exciting uh, deeper dive episode. We bring these out, or we have done so far, and, and establish that with Wonder Vision. Where we are not going to pull apart the TV show that currently everyone is talking about and watching and, and diving into and enjoying, because we're not there yet in our Marvel versus Marvel journey. We are we are sort of uh, end of phase two, start of phase three. Um, but what we are going to give you all is our trademark deep dive into the characters. Nay, for this edition. The Much Deeper Dive. Um, that is what we've got all for you today. In this edition of Marvel vs. Marvel, we are going to take you through the, 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 the comic book history of the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, of Falcon. We're going to delve into the comic book histories of, of characters like John Walker, Lamar Hoskins. We're going to talk about the Flag Smasher. We're going to... Uh, really, really get into the nuts and bolts of what what psychics are, why they exist in comic books um, as as they get their, their I think this is the first sidekick TV show, um, and we've got some fantastic announcements uh, coming up as well, and we're celebrating the conclusion of the Versaversary. Uh, we're also going to be discussing who replaces Steve Rogers as Captain America. In the comic books, that is all to come on this special deeper dive edition. Will, are you as exhausted as I am from the versiversary? <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I've been doing a lot this month. It, it, it so it, I, I've been exhausted by everything, and the sunny weather is definitely making everything uh, that bit more exhausting. If pleasure. Our wonderful country has has opened up a little bit in terms of uh, pandemic restrictions. So there's been not just uh, a ton of uh, podcast work to do, but also you've got to bloody socialise again. <laughs> What's going on with that? That's, that's going to be quite <laughs> the fun. Pub, pubs are open, uh, cafes are open, restaurants are open, and and, and uh, the pressure to socialise is back. We have eschewed this, and instead we've delivered to you six new podcast experiences <laughs> in the four weeks of april to celebrate the one-year anniversary of this podcast um thank you for for tuning in thank you for being with us however long you've been with us your journey with us is 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 just as important if it started a month ago as if it did 
12 months ago. And that's why we did everything we could to really push out some incredible stuff to you this month. Whether you're with us on, on Patreon and one of the exclusive members there, whether you're one of our wonderful, incredible listeners on the main show, we've given everyone extra things to enjoy this month. Um, it's been really, really fun. Um, we started uh, the month with some new stuff on Patreon. We've we've gone and done Spider-Man, the animated series, our first crack of that egg because um, it's because it was Easter. Um, <laughs> it's like, cause whoa, it was, where's the this egg talk coming from? <laughs> yeah, you know, because of because of because of Jesus. Um, we, <laughs> Jesus egg. We brought you um, a special unscripted edition, which was us talking about the show and about comics and and, and uh, chewing the fat and shooting the breeze. And we also delivered uh, last week. A very special presentation of the Age of Apocalypse. It was one of our bonus episodes from Patreon. We took it off Patreon. We took it from behind the paywall. We gave it to you guys for free. And we've seen all the downloads rolling in all month long as we've given... I mean, some people, if you're a VIEP, you've had a brand new show to listen to every week of uh, of this month and we've just we just give and give and give this month. We've been really excited to do it. We're also pretty tired, <laughs> and it's a really great way to finish the anniversary off by by tackling uh, something from the MCU again, something that's so super current, but doing it in a way where we're not really going to be giving away spoilers. We're not really going to be we're going to be talking about the comic book history of the characters in a show. We're not going to be talking about what is happening in the Falcon and Winter Soldier show. However, the comic book stuff we're talking about is super relevant, super prescient. It's going to inform uh, a lot of your experiences viewing it. It's going to give you a load of context. I think by the time you listen to this, the show will be uh, concluded. So I hope we put the final nail um, in the uh, coffin. Egg? Crucifix? Egg. I'm I, I, the... I think we should stick with egg. Okay. I, I miss Easter uh, eggs already. I miss. Speaking the... of being, oh, well, let's not get into this again because no. we had a disagreement about this because you were being an idiot. Oh, an idiot. Let's save it for the next unscripted show. <laughs> okay, we'll save it. We'll save the gold for then. Speaking of being very busy, Willie P, mm. um, you're busy every week, multiple times a week. Uh, with all your appointments with uh, people from around the world yeah. that you communicate with via the medium of Twitch. Talk us about Twitch, Will. What have you been up to? It's been a bit quiet lately. I switched uh, I switched on Twitch to uh, a new game, Resident Evil 4. I say new game. It's been out for 15 years. <laughs> uh, I played that for a bit, uh, but my viewership has gone down a bit. So i uh, done the most shameful thing. Uh, not that shameful, don't worry. I just looked around and went, okay, what games do I have that have uh, that aren't saturated by people doing it but have a good viewership? Okay, these games. So from Monday, I'll be playing Bioshock. Will Preston, the corporate shill, the sellout. Oh. Doing things for the love, man. It's a waste of time. Will, no artistic integrity, Preston. I love it. Love to see it. <laughs> a white guy doing a podcast. Of course I don't have artistic integrity. The realities of uh, this modern content-driven world. Yeah. Um, that's what I like to see. 
Um, what, so what is Bio? Not Biodome. That's a terrible movie with Paulie Shaw. What's Bioshock then? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Biodome. Uh, but Bioshock uh, is the spiritual sequel to the 90s uh, cyberpunk survival horror RPG series System Shock. Basically, it's a... How do I say this? Steampunk art deco survival horror that takes place under the sea. And it's under the sea, <laughs> under the sea. Except it's darling, it's better down when it's wetter. Take it from me. Except there's filth. no singing. That's cr- Sebastian. Absolute filth, darling. It's better down where it's wetter. It's censored. Cancelled. Get him off Disney Plus. Well, lobsters Sorry. are very horny. Uh, Jordan Peterson. Horny Taylor. lobster. But yeah, um, <laughs> then, instead of seeing lobsters uh, and, and mermaids, what you have down there is a society ruled by someone who's basically the male Ayn Ayn Rand. Uh, Ayn Rand, basically. Oh, Jesus. Free market capitalism existed down there. Society's fallen apart. And you arrived just as everything's fallen apart. Everybody's gone mad and trying to kill each other. It's... It's the subtext in the game's brilliant. There's a really good twist in it, and I'm going to be going through that. If you fancy watching me go through that, talking and laughing and whatnot, and interacting with me, because God knows I need something, uh, you uh, you can watch me uh, and interact live on Twitch uh, Mondays and Wednesdays, 6 p.m. UK time uh, at at twitch.tv slash willpreston87. <laughs> I might get a little bit of flack for describing this as the first sidekick TV show, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it really, it really is. It's, it, it's, it's what we're seeing here is two perennial sidekicks who who have evolved over the years, but began their life as sidekicks, getting out there and and taking the forefront and becoming lead characters. Now, to 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 for our mind of the muggle, I'd like to examine uh. what what Will's muggly mind thought of. I mean, side, what, do you remember sidekick being a, a word or a phrase or something you'd heard growing up as a kid? Yeah, sidekick. Or was that? It was. It was. It was. Yeah. It was the the, the uh, sidekick of my day was a Robin. That was. Yeah. That was. Uh, and of course. Uh, Miles Tails Prower, which what the, the, side, oh. the sidekick to Sonic the Hedgehog? He was a sidekick. Why do why do f- forest animals need a surname? It's a stupid series enjoyed by perverts, and you know that's true. It's no, um, no, no, no. Well, yeah, it eventually got enjoyed. Yeah, Perfect. it is. Look, Sonic it, the Hedgehog perverts, fandom. Perverts enjoy everything. They, they they eight year olds. Autistic adults and perverts—that's their fandom, and you can't change my mind on that. Hey, I am a bit, I'm still a big Sonic fan, just not that. Well, level. which one? Which one do you fall into? Will fine? I'll go with pervert. <laughs> Happy, but, but I think if we're honest, autistic perverts. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to be honest about things, Will, with a I, with a slight—I mean, you are kind of like an eight-year-old as well. I, look, <laughs> I think you're, you're in only, the Venn diagram. You're all. <laughs> All the Sonic fandoms merged into one. I would, you are Sonic Legion. I, I would say you only call me an eight-year-old because comparatively I have exuberance and like excitement <laughs> about things. <laughs> and, and, Energy. And, I, and I'm here going, oh, I love this. It's great. And you're going, yeah, it used to be great. Now it's not. <laughs> and and you, go, you go on a run for fun. And the only people that do that <laughs> are... Those that fear death constantly yep. and children. Um, Again, anyway. I fit into both of those. And by the way, you can also follow me on Strava as well as Twitch. 
Oh, what an asshole! I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. Check out his craft beer YouTube channel later on. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, what did sidekick kind of like? What you know? What what what? So it conjures to you, Robin. That's the sidekick. Yeah, the, I, I forgot the, what the question was there. <laughs> yeah, the iconic sidekick yes. um, that you remember. That was definitely Robin. Robin was the sidekick for decades since the sixties. What is what is? Does the word carry any meaning to you now? Do you think of? Do you think anything about it? I still don't know what it means apart from kicking at the side. <sighs> Okay, not helpful, but yeah, not, sure. Not helpful, because I thought you would help me with this. I thought that was your job to be the... Uh, you fill in the void of ignorance with your lovely, creamy knowledge. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa, we might have to bleep all of that. Um, yes, I mean, it's not Dictionary Corner. Um, but, okay, a brief history of sidekicks. As brief as I am ever uh, on this show. I think... Uh, I think psychics seem quite odd to a modern audience, mm. especially child psychics. Uh, but but psychics in general are, are an intrinsic part of heroic fiction, you know, and also a really necessary literary device for a writer. Yeah, uh, what is Holmes without Watson? Mm-hmm. What is Robin Hood without Little John? Frodo without Samwise? Yep. That's a trick one. Samwise is the hero. Frodo is the nothing. Agreed. What is Han? Agreed. What is Han without Chewie? Um, and we can date that. I mean, the, the sidekick. So, uh, four thousand years ago. Oh, here we go. Four thousand years ago. This is me being brief. <laughs> four thousand years ago, the epic of Gilgamesh, uh, ah. the oldest piece of recorded fiction known to man. This this epic poem that charts the myriad adventures of, of of Gilgamesh, and Gilgamesh has a sidekick. The hero has a sidekick, and Kidu by his side. Admittedly, um, this is a character that almost like Little John begins as uh, an antagonistic. How dare you be here? I'm going to beat you up, character. But then becomes the 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 lead hero's uh, companion and sidekick and uh, and uh, and what's that? You know the 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 one where you just tell all your secrets to and your confidant. Confidant, yeah, say. confidant. Admittedly, uh, very few sidekicks shag a prostitute in order to learn a lesson about civilization and society. But that was the thing at the time four thousand years ago. Um, the sidekick is is essential for several reasons. Like one of them is almost like technical for the for the purposes of the plot uh, and for exposition. Rather than dull, lengthy blocks of text explaining what the hero is thinking, Sherlock Holmes can turn to Watson mm-hmm. and explain in layman's terms his amazing powers of deduction, what he has noticed how it solves the the mystery and he can explain his plan to stop the villain yeah but the sidekick is also there to be the character that the readers associate with and that 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 they relate to me and you we can never know what it's like to have sherlock holmes's incredible mind and or the nobility and sense of duty of of robin hood 
But we can see ourselves in Watson and in Little John. Ordinary people trying to do the right thing, being in awe of these charismatic heroes with, with uh, you know, incredible abilities, whether they're normal or super normal, whatever. Mm. There, are, there are several pulp fiction characters who basically laid the foundations for the comic book superhero. I really hope we get a chance to look at them in the future. These are characters who grew to huge fame and popularity through things like pulp magazines, mm. dime novels, radio serials, things that predate the superhero comic book genre. And sidekicks were firmly and, and established in, in these stories. Um, throughout the 1930s, the Lone Ranger had as his sidekick... Tonto. Tonto. I almost said Toto. Ra- I almost said Toto. <laughs> What's the song? Uh, which Toto song? Oh, good, good question. No, you, because oh. everyone says Africa, and that's wrong. That's not the good you, Toto song. You're going to say "Hold the Line" or "Rosanna," aren't you? "Hold the Line" is the greatest Toto song, and perhaps the greatest song ever recorded. Anyway, <laughs> Lone Ranger has Tonto on his radio serial, yeah. um, and then uh, the the sort of. Almost the sister show, the Green Hornet, yep. follows the same formula. Green Hornet has Kato. Um, characters in the pulp magazines uh, and and radio series as well, and dime novels like Doc Savage and yes. The Shadow yes. have almost a rotating cast of different sidekicks, assistants, and and, and companions for, to fit their different stories. Um, in 1940, after Over a year of Mm. Batman stories, writer and artist Bill Finger, who was really the creative powerhouse behind Batman, he conceived of a sidekick for Batman. He told the man that owned Batman, Bob Kane, and that is the way to do it. Bill Finger is the creator, Bob Kane is the man that owned the character. Is he Jack Kirby to his Stan Lee, would you say? It's a mate. It's a whole other situation. Oh boy! It's a it's a. Bob Kane hires Bill Finger, the creative mind, to write and create the things, Mm. but he pays him a wage, and thus the name of the the named creator of Batman on every comic book is just Bob Kane. Bill Finger gets no zero published credits. You heard it here first, guys. Bob Kane, the Steve Jobs of comic books. I mean, it's 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 tremendously well known in the industry. Uh, I didn't know it's this. Just how, just how it was at the time. So you'd, you'd have somebody with money would own the art house. Yeah, they would yeah. pay other artists and writers to do the work, and but their names would be the name. Amazing. Anyway, amazing. Bill Finger goes to Bob Kane. And says, "Look, it's becoming really tedious to have Batman thinking out loud all the time." Hmm, I wonder where the bad guy went to, and, and all that kind of stuff. And and basically, he said that that Batman needed his own Dr. Watson. And since the audience reading the comics at the time were children, what better figure for them to relate to Mm. and to have as their point of view character for the series than a child hero? And so Robin was created, uh, slapped on the front cover, and caused an absolute sensation. Um, sales of Detective Comics doubled when they introduced this child sidekick. <laughs> and that that didn't go unnoticed. 
Lots more child psychics began appearing in, in superhero comics from every American publisher. Um, Superman got Jimmy Olsen. Yes, yes, Jimmy the Olsen. Flash, the Flash got Kid Flash. Mm-hmm. The Human Torch got Toro. Um, and it would actually peak again in the 1960s, but but only with DC. DC would then in the 60s. Um, Aquaman had Aqualad and Aquagirl. Aqualad. Batman, yeah, Batman had not just Robin, but he also had um, two different Bat- Batgirl and then later on Batgirl again. Um, Superman, uh, you know, there was a, a Supergirl to be his sidekick and a Superboy. Mm. And um, Green Arrow had Speedy. And all sorts, Wonder Woman had Wonder Girl. You know, the child sidekick became in the 60s it had a boom all over again um i think it's also probably worth noting for the time period we're talking about which is the 40s the, the kind of the very genesis of this throughout the 20s and 30s cinemas were full of comedic of, of movies that were comedic child adventurers that took audiences by storm the Little Rascals, mm. um, which was originally known as Our Gang, they were like the originators of this incredibly popular concept of children getting into trouble, having their own adventures, having some level of agency but not a huge amount, uh, <laughs> being fun and funny and getting into scrapes and capturing the imagination of the kids in the audience. And this would spin out into throughout the 20s and then certainly the 30s hugely popular careers for uh, child careers to do exactly the same thing uh, child adventuring f- movie serials mm. Shirley Temple, Mickey Rooney had their own film yep, series yep. alongside The Little Rascals and I think that really is a part of the zeitgeist of the time um, of the 40s that is um, like we've seen with so many things over the years comic books often draw their inspiration from popular culture around them what is going on at the movies what is going on in television and literature at the time and so a year after batman and robin the world was introduced to captain america and bucky we have absolutely loved hearing from you guys throughout this special month for us our anniversary month the versiversary month as we are insisting on calling it with plenty of hashtags, um, <laughs> uh, and, and it's just we just—it's what's got us through a whole year of doing this. These episodes, um, we love making them, but they are a ton of of work, and we we really like that that work is appreciated, and we like to hear that it's appreciated, and it lets us know that you know we're we're really doing this for a lot of great people. Um, you can always get in touch with us on the Twitter. It's where you can um, find out loads of cool things about us. If you go to at Marvel Versus, there's lots of news and announcements and uh, updates and things on that. But if you want to send us a, a bit of love, a real bit of love, you can do it via Marvel Versus Marvel at gmail.com. Will, you've got a mailbag for us there? I do. I have a couple of letters here. Uh, Juzy loved our Age of Apocalypse episode and got in touch to say, Hello guys, just dropping a quick line to say how much I loved the Age of Apocalypse episode. I genuinely managed to listen to it twice already in 24 hours. Whoa! 
Amazing. Mainly because the first time round, I was caught by supreme disbelief in realising that the only X-Men movie with a bit of apocalypse, apocalypse in it has absolutely nothing to do with the great stories and character you mentioned. The movie is a bit like the 1999 Mummy movie, only they meet mutants instead of Brendan Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that mummy movie. That's a great movie. Uh, on an aside note, in terms of meme culture and social media, that for some reason everybody's talking about that film. The last couple of months, it's been memed to death. That film, for no reason. There you go, folks. An update from, as Will calls it, meme culture. I call it meme the culture. culture of memes. The culture of memes. Yeah. Just from- so they have. They're. It's a culture now. So. We, Great, we have, good. We have a flag. We have a flag. <laughs> uh, I googled the Sugar Man. Oh, sorry, not 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 a bit. Sorry, I was not the greatest fan of X Men Apocalypse. Much preferred Days of Future Past, but maybe that's just me. Don't worry, Juicy. I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah, everyone agreed ed- that everyone. movie was trash. Yeah, <laughs> I came out of the cinema very disappointed when I saw that. I googled the Sugar Man. Hearing the name made me laugh like a crazy person in the middle of the night, and boy, he did not disappoint. And I thought Modok was ugly. He's kind of—he looks kind of <laughs> like Modok, doesn't he, Sugar Man? Yeah, if you stuck Sugar Man in a like a golden power chair, yeah. he would. There'd be similarity there, wouldn't there? I—I—I I, I, I want to call him Sugarman, like David Sugarman. <laughs> Yeah, go like on. Ron. Yeah. This is Ron Sugarman. Sugarman. The Sugarmans. <laughs> Hearing a sample of your full-length bonus episode was amazing. Thank you for this great gift and keep up the good work. I am recommending you to everyone I know. Wow. That's how you do it. <laughs> Spread the word. Become a preacher of this church and you'll get to a better place. Indeed. Your soul will get cleansed. Okay, we got another one from Carl. Uh, Carl dropped us a line to say to say thanks. I found your podcast in January, and I loved finding episodes about my favourite movies and then learning all the trivia and the history of the characters in the comic books. For three months now, I've been dipping in and out of your old episodes. Whenever I go to the gym, whenever I'm driving to work and back, whenever I'm working a shift on my own, you guys are all I listen to. This oh, month, that's, yeah. that's good, isn't it? This month, the amount of episodes you've done has been crazy. I love the Age of Apocalypse special so much, it's convinced me to sign up, do the right yes. thing, and subscribe to you guys on Patreon. Now I've got a whole bunch of other episodes to explore. I also really love the unscripted show you guys did. It's cool hearing you uh, to not following a script and just giving each other a hard time. <laughs> we um well thank you uh who is that carl thank you carl so much um for getting in touch we just uh, hearing love uh makes us love you guys all the more yeah we we had a lot of fun with that unscripted show didn't we oh man i'm all about unscripted shows i look i like a chance to just go hey do you know what uh, do you know what now i'm the expert now i'm the expert at other stuff <laughs> And I just yeah, we, we 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 have had people talk, you know, and it'd be we haven't got any firm plans, but you know, there could be a chance for us to do things where we can uh, hear about Will's game, video game playing. Mm. We can talk to Will about comic books that he has read. Yes, there is that the... aren't that aren't Marvel based, and uh, there's just lots of other stuff that we could get into um, and chat about. So we are toying with the idea of more unscripted shows in the future. 
Uh, it's not your decision, guys. But if you'd like to hear some more unscripted stuff, get in touch. Drop us a line because we love the, the downloads for that episode were really, really great, really strong, which we weren't expecting oh, because yeah. we know what you're here for. You're here <laughs> for Marvel stories and Marvel trivia. So it was kind of cool to see the unscripted show do so well. And uh, that might be some fun we can have with you guys in the future. Now, uh, two letters there that mentioned uh, last week's episode, the Age of Apocalypse special presentation. Yes, yes. Which we gifted to the world as a free thank you for 12 months of love and support and, and listenership. As we took it from our Patreon. Now, you can find us on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. It's where all our bonus content, extra episodes live. Um, and we have such great interactive fun with all our incredible supporters and subscribers on, on that page. We have been doing this for a while now. These full-length bonus episodes covering... Marvel stories that the movies won't let us get into because they haven't covered them. So yeah, Age of Apocalypse, a, a story that's too big for a movie to ever to, to seemingly ever cover and hasn't been done. We got to delve into that one and it was hailed as one of our best episodes, which is why we released it to you. But you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much of our chilling, titanic crushing girth hiding beneath the surface on patreon um you can discover us discussing things like the annihilation wars which is how the guardians of the galaxy got together it's where drax goes from being a joke of a 90s character to a very serious character for the movies to then <laughs> make him a joke character again uh but there's there's tons of of, of stuff in there we, we talk about things like the Superior Spider-Man saga. We uh, we've delved. We we took such a long look at Wolverine's history, right? Oh man, that, there's so much history. Tracking him from his youth, his early days, right the way, uh, right the way through to the most disturbing things he's ever mm. done. That's a dark little. That's a dark little take. That one. Um, and just this this last week, we released to the world our. Um, our kind of definitive '90s Spider-Man saga. We we, we looked at the, the the period of time where Peter Parker goes mad. <laughs> Mad's the wrong word. Has a nervous breakdown. Becomes becomes nearly psychotic. We look yeah. at Peter Parker's parents. Was it was, was that that took you by surprise? I know it did. That, that that really did take me by surprise. It was a bit mad. It although although although. To be fair, there were some bits I was like, yeah, I'm immediately suspicious of everything going on right now. <laughs> Every month we drop a full-length bonus episode delving into a fantastic Marvel story you won't have seen or heard in the movies or the TV shows. Or if it's barely touched on, maybe we'll take it and we'll go, you know what, this was an incredible story that they did half an hour on once. So we're going to do... An incredible episode on that. That is there for our members who are VIEPs and beyond. Those are people that pledge to us £10 a month or more. That gets you early access to all these main show episodes. And it gets you access to our full-length bonus episodes. Um, and 
They're all there for you guys to take advantage of anytime you want to come and go like our archives. And we've also started this month, we've released a brand new mini episodes that are going to come out each and every month. It's a new series from me and Will called Obscure Marvel, where I get to uh, educate Will and you guys on the most ridiculous, insane characters of the Marvel Universe that writers and artists thought were going to be big hits and serious, dramatic characters. Um, we, we put out the first episode at the start of April featuring Angar the Screamer, uh, the hippie with the ability to wail. <laughs> um, had huge amounts of fun with that. Yeah. Another brand new episode will be dropping on the first of every month on Patreon in Obscure Marvel. They get funnier and funnier. They, the uh, the I, recordings that we did, we just have more fun. I, I will say the next episode, no spoilers, but... Uh, the name alone made me burst out <laughs> laughing. So you're in for a treat with that one. So if you support us and what we do, if you want to say thank you to us for putting together these these massive journeys through Marvel for you every uh, every couple of month every couple of weeks um, here on your favorite podcast platform, you can do that. You can show us that love, show us that support on Patreon with a pledge of just three pounds a month, and in exchange for that, you'll get. A, uh, a bonus episode every month from Obscure Marvel. If you're the top tier guys, you're going to get that show as well, as well as your early access and as well as the full length bonus episodes. More importantly, though, we deserve it. If you're not paying, your 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 soul is unclean, and you know what we deserve. You know what we give you. You know these people are not mucking around when they say, "I listened to your show twice in twenty four hours." People have said to us they've listened to Guardians of the Galaxy three times already. That they that they want playlists so they can listen to us during their nine hour shift. We got it all. We can put it all together for you. We can put it out to you. You can head to our Twitter. Uh, at Marvel Versus, we've put together a playlist already you guys can check out um, through the anti-heroes of the Marvel Universe. We've got it all for you, but you know what we deserve. And it all lives on patreon.com slash Marvel Versus Marvel. It's where you can show us the love, um, show us that we mean something to you, take a stand against how content currently is consumed, which is nonsense. You know you have to pay for the good shizzle, and we are the good shizzle indeed um and in exchange as a reward we're going to give you all that goodness all that wonderful bonus goodness it's all out there for you patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel and it's going to keep coming every single month this episode is our deeper dive into the two title characters of the latest Disney Plus Marvel series, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we've got tons and tons on these guys um, to get into, to pull apart. We want to talk about Baron Zemo. We want to talk about John Walker and all that as well. But it's perhaps worth us just taking a look at how these characters were introduced to the to the to the Marvel Universe, to the MCU, on the on the cinematic side of things. Um, and so Willie P. Is going to do because, of course, we in our Marvel versus Marvel journey, 
um, are, are only at a certain level. We have yet to cover Civil War yes. in this journey, and we know we have um, a couple of cool guys who are um, watching the, the MCU for the first time and then coming to our episodes right after. So we want to make sure that we're not bouncing around and doing anything too advanced for them. Uh, so we've got a lot to pull apart, but Will, will you give us a recap Take us back to phase two. Take us back to the introduction of these two characters, Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes. Well, let's go for a recap, shall we? When we first meet the Winter Soldier in the 1940s, he is known as James Bucky Barnes and his best friends with Steve Rogers before his transformation into Captain America. Both friends go off to fight in the war. In 1943, while on tour in Italy performing for active servicemen, Rogers learns that Barnes's unit was MIA in a battle against Schmidt's forces. Refusing to believe that Barnes is dead, Rogers has Carter and engineer Howard Stark fly him behind enemy lines to mount a solo rescue attempt. Rogers infiltrates the fortress of Schmidt's Nazi division Hydra, freeing Barnes and the other prisoners. After this, Rogers recruits Barnes onto his team to attack other known Hydra bases. However, in 1945, the team assaulted a train carrying Zola. Rogers and Jones, sorry, Rogers and Jones succeed in capturing Zola, but Barnes falls from the train to his apparent death. I always liked the little... Um... I mean, because it's a reversal of of the comic books to a certain extent. The idea that Captain America, and, because it, well, first of all, the first the first big thing that stands out is that Bucky is never a child in the movies. Yeah, MCU Bucky is never a child. He's a man with some big old pecs. Um, and I, I quite like the the sort of the the idea that before things began. Bucky was the older brother that looked out for Steve. Yeah. Um, I really like that dynamic, and especially as it goes forward and, and we see the kind of reversal of things and who needs to look out for who. I thought that was a really neat... Even as I, I, I have a distinct memory of seeing that in the cinema for the first time and going, this is really nice. This is really good. Mm. Setting up Bucky as the older brother here is just so... It just makes it all work so well. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. The thing is, I always see Bucky as you know. From then on, I always saw him as the child in the relationship, the younger brother. But you just you, now you've reminded me there was that 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 reverse dynamic, and it's like, oh yeah. god, that is so good. It's weird. I, my brain works differently, as you know. Back to the back to the recap. In the present day, Sam Wilson bonds with a previously frozen Captain America over their common experiences in adapting to life after each. And- a, a defrosted Captain America. That would be a better way of doing it. Yeah, you t- I, he's been in the mic. He's been either left on a plate in, a- in the fridge overnight, or you know, one of you, or they're trying to do it in the microwave, no. which just takes forever. And then Captain America is partially defrosted on the outside, <laughs> still, still frozen in the middle, and you can't touch the plate because it's too hot. <laughs> yes, because Captain America is also a pie. Uh, so I'll get back to the recap. So, after discovering a Hydra leak, Fury tells Rogers that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been compromised before being shot several times by a masked assassin. Steve pursues the masked man and hurls his S.H.I.E.L.D. at him, 
but is knocked, but is sorry, is shocked when the assassin is able to catch the shield with his cybernetic arm and throw it back. Romanoff reveals that the man is an assassin known as the Winter Soldier, someone she has encountered before. Cap and Black Widow go on the run and seek shelter from Sam Wilson, who tells them that he can offer them assistance as he is part of a military project involving advanced personal flight suits. Rogers and Romanoff then go back to Washington, D.C. to capture Jasper Stilwell, who is working for Hydra. To get him to talk, Natasha throws Stilwell off a roof, only for Sam, wearing his Falcon flight suit, to catch him in midair. Thoroughly terrified, Sitwell begins spilling his guts, confessing that Zola's computer program could calculate if a person would be a threat in the future based on their race, religion, voting history and shopping habits. Stilwell tells the three that Hydra will use the Project Insight weapons to wipe out millions of potential rebels all over the world. I'm obviously against profiling people due to race and social class and sexuality and things like that. Here we go. But I think I could get on board with shopping habits. <laughs> <laughs> I I already judge your shopping at the supermarket when I see it. I already do that. Um so yeah, I think I think Hydra might be able to convince me if um if they kind of got on board with you know who we don't need? People that buy Dairy Lee. I go, yes. String cheese, Dairy Lee, get rid of do we, them. Do we need to spend millions of dollars on this kind of algorithm when Amazon Wishlist exists? <laughs> but I, but you, you'd have to buy... Oh, yeah, you can go through yeah, people. Yeah, you can go through if, people's uh, stuff, yeah. If you've got cheese strings on your Amazon Wishlist, then I'm not going to shed any tears when... Hydra disappear you in the night. I'm sorry. What is it with you? Uh, you're against bulk buying. It's a sensible purchase. I'm against things that pretend to be cheese but aren't. <laughs> I find it to be deeply offensive. Cheese is cheese. Other stuff is not gloopy nonsense and plastic nonsense. I'm happy with burger cheese. I like burger cheese. It, as long as it's used correctly, you put it on a burger. Yeah, you wouldn't eat burger cheese outside of a burger scenario. I, I in university, would I drunk you, a, I, William? I, I, I drank a lot of vodka in university and did stupid things with, with burger cheese. Out of the well, listen, your OnlyFans page is between you and your subscribers. I don't need to know what goes on there. Uh, let's head back to the recap. Uh, gladly. The group head towards the Triskelion, but are attacked by the Winter Soldier and his men. During the fight, the Winter Soldier's mask is torn off, revealing himself as Roger's former comrade and best friend, Bucky Barnes, who was supposedly killed during World War II. When Cap calls out to him, he does not recognise his own name. Bucky escapes, and Rogers, Romanoff and Sam are taken into custody by Rumlow and his men. As the Winter Soldier is being prepared for battle by his handlers, he starts to ask who Bucky is. He sees memories showing how Hydra found him after his fall from the train, being taken to Zola, who amputated his destroyed left arm and replaced it with a cybernetic one. He also remembers how he was put in cryostasis between missions so that he would not age. Pierce decides he is beginning to remember too much about his past and they brainwash him again. Rogers, Sam and Hill break into the Triskelion and take control of the communication systems. 
Rogers reveals to the staff that they are Hydra agents within S.H.I.E.L.D. that cannot be allowed to initiate Project Insight. Rogers and Sam manage to compromise two of Hydra's three helicarriers, but when Sam is going for the last one, his jetpack is damaged by Bucky, and he is forced to skydive down to the Triskillian. Hill notifies Sam about Rumlow heading to the council. Sam intercepts him, and the two begin to fight. Rogers attempts to place the final chip, but he is confronted by Bucky. Rogers and the Bucky... Sorry, Rock... Rock... (laughs) Rogers and Bucky fight, and during the fight, Rogers tries to convince Bucky of the, his past as his friend. Such a good movie! It, it is such a good movie. It's it's it is it's still good. It's still, and I'm kind of glad they this show kind of continues that vibe. As the it it, sorry, it really does. Um, yeah, without giving too much away, the I the the themes. Or, or the approach to the stories is very connected to this movie. I think, um, in, in terms of what they're doing, uh, it's a yeah, yeah, it's really good. Oh, it's fantastic! As the heli carriers crash into the Triskelion, Sam is still fighting with Rumlow. He runs through the building, leaps out of a window, and is caught in midair by Fury and Natasha in a stolen helicopter. The chamber where Rogers and Bucky are fighting has been severely damaged by the crossfire between the heli carriers. Steve drops his shield and refuses to fight his friend. Bucky, can- I love that. Oh, that, yeah. That, that's that scene where he's he's got to do his job, but he refuses to to you know to fight his his brother. Is he, he absolutely loves him, um, and uh, refusing to to fight him is just a beautiful scene, beautiful moment. Yes. Yeah, it, uh, of course, it carry, carries on even with Bucky. He keeps punching and punching him before passing out. And Steve promises Bucky that he'll be with him till the end of the line. I will die here with you. I'll die. I'll die here. I will not Ooh. fight you. You will kill me and I'll just die with you. Oh, my God. It's just heartbreaking and beautiful. It's lovely. This causes a moment of doubt in the Winter Soldier as he seems to recognise something about Steve. The building collapses underneath them. They both fall into the water. An unconscious Rogers plummets through the water but is saved by Bucky who drags him back to land. Because of all S.H.I.E.L.D.'s secure files were uploaded to the internet along with Romanoff's past, she sets out to find herself a new identity after handing Rogers a file with information on Bucky and his experimental origins. Sam offers to help Cap find answers. Later on, Bucky is at the Smithsonian Institution where he finds a whole section of the Captain America World War II display dedicated to him. A year after this, Falcon defends the Avengers HQ against an intruder who turns out to be Ant-Man. Later in Berlin, Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson have found Bucky Barnes. Needing help but unable to contact Tony Stark because of the Sokovia Accords, Wilson states that he knows a guy. So that's the recap. That's the recap. That's up to where we are on our MVM journey with these characters. That's their introductions and their and their development. Um, I mean, we've gushed over Winter Soldier quite a lot, haven't we? Oh, I, um, I, 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 I still can gush. I think what really struck me about the TV show, and without giving anything away, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is... It's it just highlighted how little of Falcon we have actually seen in the movies. Oh, absolutely. What a really great character 
he he can be. Um, what a great actor uh, Anthony Mackie is, um, and and how his charisma is, and and it's not he's not just a silly character. His current his charisma is boundless. Um, and and I mean I don't just mean you know we tend to talk about charisma in terms of um, someone being sexy or someone being funny. I would argue he's probably both of those things. But also <laughs> a- around that, his charisma in terms of how he carries himself and presents himself, and he's just he fi- Anthony Mackie in this, the Falcon feels like a star. Yes, he yes. really does. It's a it's it's a it makes me wish we'd had more of the Falcon. You know, before now in in, in previous movies, but it, it, it you know obviously they've got a lot of stuff they're, they're juggling. Yeah, they are de juggling, de juggling, indeed juggling. They are indeed right. juggling. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, I mean, how did how, how how did you feel about these two characters in, in the MCU? I I feel that. Um... I feel the same about 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 Falcon. I feel like he's 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 been a perpetual sidekick, but they've used him in the, just the right amounts because they're using because because I want more of him. If I want more of a character, that character has been used in the right amounts. I think. Yeah. Because you don't want me yeah, to go. Right. I'm tired of this character. Please, can we focus on someone else? And I feel like uh, Winter Soldier uh, it, uh, it is a plot device as well as a character. He's he's a very sufficient plot device. He drives things forward through no action of his own. He, he, he's a plot device. He's a MacGuffin. He's a sidekick. He's a yeah. I wouldn't say he's a MacGuffin. Okay, but he, he's not you know, okay. certainly because of his hist- because of his history. I mean, he's he's he is really the the the. the He's very, very popular, and he's the standout. He was the standout star of a, of a couple of those movies, and and people really wanted more. I mean, they were clamoring for more Winter Soldier. You know, clamoring for him to get his own movie um, years ago, and and the the series that we're not talking about just does a really good way of bringing those two together. Um, well, I'll mention it in, I, in the Civil War episode, but I remember fans were, re- were really going. I remember seeing a lot of posts going, "Oh man, these two have to be in a series like a cop buddy duo or something." Yeah, I will say I think Disney misled everyone with the adverts. They really did. The adverts made it look like it was a buddy cop movie. I was kind of hoping for that. It is absolutely not what the series is. I think the series is phenomenal, but it's not what was advertised, <laughs> and I think that's that's a problem for it, a lot of it people. It threw me off a bit that when when it um, when it didn't do that. I think that the MCU gives us. Um, it, 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 it's hard. People often ask me, you know, which characters are better in the movies than they are in the comics, and that's really hard because certainly so much of the histories are from a you know a, a time when storytelling wasn't very sophisticated, and things were a lot more simple, and things were written specifically for for children and young children. Mm. So it's it's kind of hard. They both have much better backgrounds in um, in the movies than they do in the comic books. Yeah, um, I think modern day Falcon is a fantastic comic book character, um, and 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 has is several notches above the character we see here. Winter Soldier is probably a hell of a lot better in the comic books because he has a lot more space to to breathe and to okay. do more more things as the Winter Soldier. That that being said, um, 
there's a hell of a lot more of a realistic portrayal of Bucky Barnes. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and that's something we're, we're going to get to. Okay, so let's start our deeper dive with Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. Well, we, we, we know that the Marvel Universe began in the 1960s, yes. sort of. The Marvel Age. But the, the company kind of predates that. Um, and some of the characters carry over. In the 1940s, the, there was a company called Timely Comics. Then the same year that Superman debuts, they bring out heroes uh, like the Human Torch, not Fantastic Four one, the robot one, and uh, Namor the Submariner, Prince of the Deep. And December of that year, a full year before... Pearl Harbor and before America joins the the Second World War, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, two Jewish Americans with a strong dislike for the Nazis, create two characters, Captain America and Bucky. Uh, It's December of 1940. Now, there are lots of patriotic characters and heroes at the time. Right. But these two really stand out. Captain America issue one has a front cover depicting this red, white, and blue superhero punching Hitler in the face. Um, and it's a huge hit. An absolutely monster hit. It sells over a million copies. It outsells Time magazine that month. <laughs> um it's 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 an insane feat. And when, when Joe Simon created his initial sketch of Captain America, he included a young sidekick named after his childhood friend, um, like star of the local neighborhood basketball team, Bucky Pearson. Um because of the contentious political situation, and this is a thing that I think it's always important to remember as we go forward with these characters. Yeah. Captain America, Bucky, Marvel have always courted these social and political divides. They've always been they've always been slap bang in the middle. They've always annoyed people on the right. And in the 1940s, the people on the right were supporting Hitler, as you'd expect. And yeah, and to see something so flagrantly anti-Nazi, so flagrantly anti-Hitler, so flagrantly um, anti-right wing, caused a lot of um, of attention and disturbance in America. Uh, timely comics, Marvel comics got hate mail. Death threats were sent to Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, Ooh. and it's not it's not just because of the front cover. It's not just because they have a character, an American character, punching Hitler. It's because Joe Simon and Jack Kirby are Jewish. Oh, Make dear. no mistake about that. The death threats and the hate mail are largely because here are two Jewish Americans saying something that we don't want them to say, right? Oof. And so, of course, they're treated differently to everyone else. The, 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 there are threatening protests outside the offices of Timely Comics, the mayor of New York, had to organise for police protection for the comic book company. Um, 
Captain America comics continue to sell a million copies a month. It's Timely's biggest hit series. Um, and rather interestingly, during the war, Timely Comics' biggest customer mm. was the US military. <laughs> of course. And nearly 50% of serving military men and training military men read the comic. Nearly half of all serving American military men were reading Captain America comics. Of course they were. That's that's how big, how influential, and how uniquely tied the, the this series was to the war effort. Um, now, enter the frame, Stan Lee. Um, Stan got some of his first published work writing... Uh, for Captain America comics, writing just a couple of text stories that no one really paid much attention to. Um, Stan Lee was was Jack and Joe's assistant and skivvy at the time um, because Stan was married to the wife of the... No. Stan... Stan was... No, right. The owner-publisher of the company, Martin Goodman, his wife was um Stan's cousin. So oh, that's right, how okay, Stan yeah. got this 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 job. Yeah. Um and his job was basically uh keep filling up the ink wells so you know Jack Kirby and Joe Simon don't run out of ink. Um fetch lunch for Joe and Jack and the other writers and artists and everybody. And some people say that this really is the source of <laughs> well this could be the source of the ill feelings that that Jack Kirby had towards Stan later in life because he basically went from Jack's office skivvy to being Jack's boss. I was about to say I reckon that's where it came from. That's that's Well, there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of actual contractual issues mm. as well, but it always feels like Jack blames Stan for everything even though Stan, you know, isn't in charge of everything. Um following um debut in in uh, Captain America comics Bucky uh, appears in 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 virtually every story um that that they do of Captain America um and he was uh, part of multiple other other comic book series at the time as well they created a a series called The Young Allies which is arguably the very first superhero group um what it essentially is is Bucky Barnes uh, the Human Torch's sidekick Toro, and a bunch of little rascal-style kids that we from that movie we talked about, mm. you know, like rambunctious kind of kids. Yeah, yeah, and they were yeah. called the Young Allies, and they were fighting Nazi dissidents. <laughs> um, and and in the post-war era, as the popularity of superheroes basically petered out, um, Marvel slash timely put all their superhero characters together into one book called the all winners squad which predates the justice league and things um and so bucky was a a, was a was a a part of that didn't last very long was not very very popular um after the second world war captain america and bucky did carry on having adventures as their popularity Mm. waned you know the, the the super patriotism of the fort of, of the of the second world war was was kind of gone really after the war oh absolutely um and and bucky was essentially written out of comics 
in uh, in in 1948 he was shot wounded and sent home sent oh. back to america um the, so and 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 cap gets another his girlfriend basically becomes his new sidekick uh betsy ross becomes golden girl um and yeah it, it gets a little weird for a while and then in the 50s captain america and bucky are revived for a new series um and this time the focus is not the second world war and the nazis it is the cold war and the communists and this this very odd idea that there are communist dissidents living amongst us in america mccarthy era um <laughs> kind of you know commie fears are everywhere and th- this this comic book from you know timely comics has now become atlas comics and bucky appears in captain america commie smasher as the 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 title is is billed um and uh captain america the war is over yep captain america becomes a, steve rogers becomes a teacher and bucky barnes is one of his students but at night they put on masks and costumes and go out they fight you know bank robbers and also they fight commies wherever they can find them <laughs> sales yeah it's a weird series i've got right? something Does to say sound- in a sec when you when you're done i've got something i've got a reference to a tv show i hope you get i want to hear it now i want to hear it now okay do you remember arrest development remember the the old uncle yeah. used to be in a show called something and something nazi punches no, I don't remember that. That's super specific. That's dude. super specific no, reference, don't. but he was an he was an old style like like radio serial called something and something Nazi punches. Right, and, yeah. Well, that that would be all the all the yeah. jingoistic, super patriotic, you know, heroes of of the of the Second World War. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, it, it um, just reminded me of that. Uh, well, Commie Smasher wasn't super popular. Uh, Cap and Bucky lasted three issues, and then. Ooh were kind of mothballed at that point and um and and that was that that was that wow okay so and that that's basically everything that happens before the 1960s that's the that's the pre-marvel history of captain america yeah and, and it's kind of there was never an intention to bring him back <laughs> when stan kicked off the marvel age in the 60s he was adamant that bucky wouldn't return mm. Um, because Stanley hated child sidekicks. Um, he hated them at DC. Yeah. Um, and he, he, you know, he he just didn't think they fit or worked. Yeah. Um, there was also been a lot of public uproar in the fifties. Um, this weird. We talked about this. A book called "The Seduction of the Innocent" was released by yeah. an alleged psy- psychiatrist who made all these claims that. Um, well, I mean, claims slash reality. Uh, hey guys, it's super weird and creepy to have older men <laughs> having secret relationships with young boys that they can't tell anyone about. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. And there are, you know, it, some depictions were really weird. Batman and Robin were once depicted in their pajamas in bed together. Really? Wait. Waking up together in one panel, yeah. No, no. And there's, there's there's lots of things that can be taken, and 
And uh, you know what, man? Like Bert and Ernie kind of were in Sesame Street. Yeah. Um, and I know there's not necessarily an age difference there, but I think there's something that is basically when when you have um, super innocent characters that are written for children. Yeah. I don't think anyone is thinking like that. Yeah. But the, the Stucks of the Innocent showed that there was a lot of weird stuff going on, and kids probably shouldn't be thinking that they can have secret relationships with adult men. And I support that. <laughs> I, I think that's a good, I think that is a good criticism to levy. Oh, totally, totally, totally. I, I, I don't know. I, I always, I always found it something. Obviously I now find it dodgy, but I always giggled at it. I always giggled yeah. at it because it, 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 there is some, some weird kind of Laurel and Hardy without the wives kind of relationship. Like these guys are absolutely attached yeah. to each other and one's childish and innocent. But in this case, one is childish and innocent because he's a child. <laughs> because he's a literal boy. He's boy wonder. So so how much of Stan's decision is like a PR decision um is unclear. Mm. It's worth it's worth knowing that that like DC didn't change any of that. In fact they doubled down on it. You know in in the silver age the 50s or 60s that's when we get these characters, you know Aqualad and Speedy <laughs> and, and Wonder Girl. You know we we got a resurgence of these um Gonna, child sidekicks. We're going to show you more inappropriate relationships with children. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Stan. Uh, the, the the kind of public message from Marvel and from Stan is that um, by having a child killed in action is what he do, which is what he does with Bucky. It sends like a big message that there will be no child sidekicks in Marvel. Um, there'll be some teenagers like Spider Man, Rick Jones, but no children. Yes, and that mandate from him stayed in place for um, decades. Um, and you know, as storytelling and audiences got more sophisticated, the idea of children fighting these kind of battles kind of became viewed as quite silly. You know, the sixties is a very sophisticated. T- it, it, it is the sixties is this incredibly different time period mm. where uh, culture takes takes this stratospheric leap into the future, um, in, 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 almost reflecting man going to the moon. Pop, like fiction, entertainment, music, everything leaps. Cinema, it's literature, poetry, everything just just kind of levels up beyond like the progression. Progression of culture, pop culture from the twenties to the thirties, the thirties to the forties, the forties to the fifties is, you know, the aggression of one one year to the next, one decade to the next. From the fifties to the sixties, it's insane. Um, so, when Captain America was reintroduced into the the new Marvel age of the nineteen sixties, he's rescued by the Avengers. Um, he's been frozen in ice and he's underwater, and they find him. As soon as he wakes up, he's screaming about this nightmare about Bucky he's haunted by the death of of Bucky and Stan and Jack give us flashbacks that show um, Captain America and Bucky trying to disarm a ballistic missile in flight that's going to kill innocent people and they've jumped on they, they, they've used a um, uh, motorbike and sidecar <laughs> to chase the rocket no that's not it's why is that funny it's not funny it's a chase this is a, this is a dramatic james bond action scene i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry i i don't want to be a party pooper 
There's a missile going really fast. They are, they are. It's just taken off. And I'm sure that what now? What now? A motorcycle (laughs) does not go as fast as a missile. Well, if you will let me explain, I will explain it to you. (laughs) The missile is just launching. It's just taking off. It has not yet reached its full speed or height. They are racing along an egress on a motorcycle and sidecar. They take the bike off the cliff. They leap from the bike. They land onto the ballistic missile as it is picking up pace and going along. And then they've got to smash a panel open and disarm it. And they do some damage, but it's going to explode. And Cap falls off. Oh. The missile in midair. Bucky's sleeve is caught in the metal. And he cannot get free in time. The missile explodes in midair. Bucky is blown up as Cap falls and plunges into the water. The last thing he sees before he hits the icy waters is the death of a young boy he's in charge of. So, how can Bucky have been killed in the 40s if if there's comic books where he's fighting commies in the 50s? Or is that not canon? For a long time, it wasn't canon. Hmm. Uh, But then they came up with a way of making it canon. They retconned it. Of course. They introduced some retroactive continuity. Although not, you know, they didn't alter reality. They just went, what you didn't know was this. Because that's kind of what Marvel does. DC will alter the history and past and change reality. Marvel will go, this happened and you didn't know it. Um when the original when so when Bucky dies and Captain America goes into the ice, no one knows what happens to him at the end of the Second World War, um, and so they're secretly replaced by uh, President Truman. Ooh. He drafts in uh, other people to to adopt the, pers- the the costumes, and they don't have the super soldier serum, but they do their best, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Fred Davis later becomes. Bucky Barnes for a period of time and then the 1950s version is um, Jack Monroe mm. a college student um, who's was good friends with his professor it's not <laughs> it's getting a bit better but it's not getting much yeah. better and him and his professor changed their this is the one where like for a lot of times you could just say well you didn't know behind the mask it wasn't Steve Rogers. The three issues in the 50s, there's, it's fully Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes. And they're like at a university now. And one's a teacher and stuff. And and then they put on costumes to go out and fight crime. So they, 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 the retcon that they introduced in the 70s uh, is that these were two fans of Captain America and Bucky. Yeah who discovered their own version of the super soldier serum and then got plastic surgery to change their <laughs> physical appearance <laughs> and then legally changed their names to Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes. So, yeah, that's that's how that goes. Yeah. That's how that goes. Absolutely. Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. So, with that all that in mind then, how does Bucky become the Winter Soldier? It's all thanks to uh, a great one of the great authors of Captain America, Ed Brubaker. Yeah, um, Brubaker writes 
like all these incredible modern cap stories which are fantastic like if you can i i highly highly recommend any ed brubaker captain america collection any omnibus anything like that it's brilliant and and he's the he's the author and creator of of um along with steve epting the artist of um this winter soldier idea um brubaker was a military kid um his dad was naval intelligence officer and he grew up on guantanamo bay back when it was a, a back was a naval base um and he read old comics the whole time and he loved bucky he loved that bucky was an army brat like he was a navy brat mm. and uh, when he read the crappy way bucky was killed off he was like heartbroken as a kid and so he really wanted to do something about that He's not the first person to talk about bringing um, to, to bringing Bucky back, but every time the idea had been brought up, it was shot down, especially by a longtime Marvel editor Tom Brivett. Um, Tom Brivett was protective of this idea, like Stan had done it, and Stan had said he never wants him back, and Stan had said sidekicks, you know, it was important to Stan that Bucky had died. Yeah. So Brivet was like, you go read if you want to do something, a story, it, it it can't be for nothing. You've got to convince me, and you've got to pass, you've got to pass all my questions. So it was called the Brivet test, um, and it's it's all, what does it mean? Why? What's the purpose? Yeah. How does it resolve this? How does it resolve that? <laughs> How do you account for this? How do you account for that? So Ed Brubaker, artist Steve Epting, pitched their Winter Soldier idea, their Bucky idea to Marvel. Uh, he quizzed them and quizzed them and quizzed them on how the story would work and why. Uh, and it, it passed the Brivet test. Um, one of the key changes that this new look at Bucky, this Winter Soldier story, made is that it showed us and revealed to us as a modern audience that Bucky was actually a child soldier who did kill enemy combatants mm. in 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 the original stories he is a he's basically a mascot yeah essentially. Um, he's adopted by the army base because his dad dies he doesn't go for some reason he doesn't go home he just stays on the army base he's an army brat he goes around and he discovers steve rogers's secret identity because in those days, Steve Rogers has a secret identity. He was mild-mannered Steve Rogers, the bumbling PI, uh, bumbling PI, the bumbling private, mm. and then he would get changed into his costume and be Captain America. Um, well, that is all revealed to be kind of uh, subterfuge. Bucky's a highly trained covert operative who could pass unnoticed in situations simply because <laughs> he wasn't old enough to be an allied soldier. Um uh, these new stories wiped away the sanitized veneer of the 40s and changed Bucky from the, a silly mascot to a cunning and resourceful tool in espionage Ooh. used by very heartless people in, in, in military intelligence because no one else would use a child. No, no, no absolutely. I mean, the whole, whole, whole thing of child soldiers is just like an absolute no-no. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of seen as being like, oh, well, they've got the Hitler Youth. Well, <laughs> they're not soldiers. You know, we've got an allied kind of, you know, yeah. response. 
in the comic books, then, the, the Winter Soldier is introduced as almost a myth in the intelligence community. A, a, a Soviet legend. Um, an assassin that's been executing impossible targets for decades. He's been used to start wars, collapse corporations and topple governments um often by just you know offing one person at the right time yeah um it is uh suggested that he executed jfk <laughs> possibly martin luther king as well yeah. <clears throat> he starts to resurface in america um and and this story with the soldier uh begins with him executing the red skull and some other key figures so the Red Skull, the Red Skull is executed as soon as this new villain is introduced, and that's kind of like a big thing of, Ooh. oh, this guy took out the Red Skull. Yeah, yeah. He launches a terrorist campaign in Philadelphia, sets off bombs that murder uh, dozens of innocent people, and Cap begins hunting him down, and, and then finally sees him without the mask. Uh, sorry, sees his face for the first time. He doesn't wear a mask like in the movie, mm. and he does realize it's Bucky. But when confronted by Cap, the Winter Soldier has no idea what he's talking about. Mm. Uh, Cap does a lot of digging, and uh, thanks to Nick Fury's contacts, he he does find intelligence from the collapsed Soviet Union uh, that's been recovered, and it proves that the Winter Soldier is, in fact, Bucky Barnes. Whew. So, if he died during the war... How did he come back from the dead? Well, it's one of those things where we discovered through flashback that he didn't actually die. Yay. I mean, it's it's not it's not it's not egregious particularly. There was an, we in in the classic sixties series. There's an explosion. You never see a body. Yeah, it's never confirmed. There's an explosion in the sky as as Steve Rogers is plummeting to the ice. You know when you whenever you like me and you read uh, the synopsis on Wikipedia instead of watching a film because you can't be bothered to. No, and they they say so and so seemingly dies in the explosion. You know that's that's the phrasing. They don't actually die, and they're going to come back. That's why you shouldn't do that, Will. That's why you should watch a movie. Although, I um, uh, I mean, I can give Game of Thrones spoilers because it's been out for a while. Yeah, I think you can. When when I read the Game of Thrones book, yeah. the way it is written from different perspectives at Ned Stark's execution, I went, ah, he's not dead then because you never, you never see him die, yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, and so I spent the next book waiting for that revelation, <laughs> and the next book, and I was like, "Oh, he's just." And I think in the next book they then have his head, yeah, and they put it on a spike, and I went, "Wait, how do they have his head when, as far as I'm concerned, he's not?" But yeah, um, so thanks to this evidence that we see, we see these flashbacks. Of what actually happened to Bucky in, in, in the 40s. The missile explodes. It destroys his arm. Um, but he's, he's plunged into the water. And soon, very soon after, after that, um, a, a Soviet submarine finds him. And it was looking for Captain America. But it finds, it finds Bucky instead. Um, he's found by 
a Soviet general, Karpov. Um, despite, so, in the comic books, Bucky is not a super soldier. He has not had that experimenting that Hydra did to turn him into a super soldier. Yeah. Despite the fact he's got no enhanced traits like Captain America, um, he his his body is still alive because they've just got to it in time, basically. Yeah. And the uh, the, the the ice of the, of the water preserved his wounds, um, and he's able to be revi- revived. He's got brain damage, amnesia. Um, but he still has all his learnt combat skills, his instincts, and his expertise. It's muscle memory. Mm. It's a reaction. Um, and so this general sends him to the secret Soviet agency, Department X, which we know uh, was responsible for creating the Black Widow mm. and some other Soviet weapons. And they give him this bionic arm to replace the one he's lost and subject him to this this brutal conditioning and hypnotic training and that's when he becomes the winter soldier um and he's sent off for various wet work missions and whenever he's back he's kept in in cryogenic stasis so he's not he's not in stasis full time like steve rogers is in the ice Mm. he goes out does a mission and then when he's back, he goes into stasis. So he is aging only in the times that he's active. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which obviously slows his aging down. So he only ages about 10 years from the 40s through to the 2000s. Um, or whenever it is. Um, and as the technology improves, so does his conditioning, his mind control and his art, you know, his, his bionic arm, his cybernetic arm gets better and better. What they start to discover, though, is that during like um, during if he's if he's active for a prolonged period of time, if he has to go deep undercover, if he has to watch someone for a series of weeks before pulling a trigger, his programming would slip, hmm. and he would break free of his handlers and go on the run always trying to make his way back to America um, but he doesn't always know why it's just it's a homing instinct um, he's always recaptured he's always reprogramming but it's decided he can't be used for prolonged missions um, anymore he was used to train the Black Widow uh, which is where they where they first met but and that was when he was running a training school for the best part of a year. But that was problematic. You know, missions like that were, were difficult because his programming would slip and he'd break free and he'd run away. Um, so he was then kept on ice more and more. And as eventually, like the Soviet Union crumbles, knowledge of his existence fades from any official agency. So. How does Captain America convince him of who he really is, given that he's had all this conditioning? Well, part of his big mission... Uh, so he's under the control of a Russian, Russian general called uh, General Lukin. Yeah. Um, and, and part of this mission while he's back in America, the Winter Soldier didn't just murder the Red Skull. Ooh. He stole the Red Skull's most powerful weapon. Ah. A cos- he has a cosmic cube. Or the Tesseract, for people who watch the films. Yeah. yeah. Now, in, in the comic books, the cosmic cube is... 
it, it can alter reality like the Infinity Gauntlet can. Right. It can it can basically grant wishes. Okay. Uh, the one like imagine the Nazi Red Skull with one. It's it's a horrifying thought. Um, well, this one was in. He, 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 yeah, he, sorry. He, he, oh, sorry. You're about to explain it. Sorry, I thought you meant like I was about to say. Well, why didn't he use it then? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it is. It is imperfect, ah. and it is drain. It it needs powering up. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, the explosion, the, the terror campaign in Philadelphia, the bombing that, that murdered innocent people, mm. that the Winter Soldier did, that charged the Cosmic Cube. Ooh. Um, and and brought it back to life. It is imperfect. It is cracked. Nobody quite knows if it will work. Um, during a second battle, a second meeting with Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier and Cap are almost at a stalemate. You know that bionic arm and the shield kind of cancel each other out. Um, Cap gets hold of the cube, and he makes one command or wish, mm. which is remember who you are. Um, now it's unclear if that works immediately because the Winter Soldier um, is in a huge amount of pain from whatever that did he shatters the Cosmic Cube destroys it and then flees the scene Um, and the Winter Soldier's terror attacks stop at that point but nobody can find him Um, Cap believes the Cube Worked and he remembers his past life, but Nick Fury and everyone else think that he's still following some twisted programming. Yeah, um, they it is resolved uh, to the point that Cap and Bucky briefly reunite, and it is revealed that the Cosmic Cube worked. Cap did it, and and he does have his memories back, but it's caused him immense pain and suffering and torture physically and and and, and spiritually. Um, Bucky is like haunted by all these memories of the people he killed and the the, the 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 crimes he committed, and he feels this crushing weight of of guilt. Um, and the whole time in that story, you're really you were desperate to see them finally get back, kind of together. It's almost like a love story. You're you're desperate for these two, you know, souls that have been kept apart and both have fought so hard to get to each other because that's one of the things that convinces Cap that Bucky is still in there is when he discovers that every time the Winter Soldier breaks free of his of his programming he's trying to get home to America um, they've spent all this time trying to get back together they have a brief exchange where it's like clear that Bucky you know, the Winter Soldier has Bucky's memories, and Bucky's kind of not exactly back. He's this, he's this new, he's a new entity, basically. Um, but we don't ever, we don't get them reconciled because before he can really start to help his old friend, Cap is put on trial for treason during the Civil War, and then he's assassinated on the steps of the courthouse. Okay, now we've had the history of the Winter Soldier. Let's take a deeper dive into the Falcon. Well, strap in. Hey. <laughs> um this one's yeah. Um uh 1969 uh, Sam Wilson is a social worker in Harlem who 
very understandably, adopted and trained a wild falcon to be his pet Yay. called Red Wing. We all know how that goes when you're living in uh, 1960s Harlem. I, uh, oh, plenty of wild falcons around to be trained. He's basically uh, an American version of Kez. No, yes, <laughs> he he very much is. Yeah. Um, uh, answering an advert in the paper from a group of men on an island who wanted a hunting bird, Sam Wilson flies to this Pacific island only to discover that these men are all German Nazis on the run working for the Red School. Um, <laughs> Sam rallied the island natives to fight with him against the Nazis mm. and meets another person on the island called Captain America. And Captain America is like, you should wear a green costume and call yourself the Falcon. <laughs> so he does, and he becomes a hero. Um, it's worth pointing out that at no stage during any of this can he fly. Okay. He just, because he has a Falcon, he is called the Falcon. Um, <laughs> he's just a regular dude who okay. Cap is like, you should wear a costume and, and probably learn karate. And he's like, okay then. Um, and then in 1975... Uh, Legendary writer Steve Angelhart decides that that's all bollocks. Yeah. Um, in his story, Sam Wilson was never a happy social worker. That never happened. He okay. was an angry young man who witnessed racism and crime on a daily basis. Oh. Both his parents were murdered, and he joins a street gang and calls himself <laughs> Snap Wilson. Yay! Oh, um, I'm so happy. Uh, this has been described many times by people smarter than me as um you know <laughs> I, I possibly n not racist possibly just very 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 short-sighted they took like a hard-working hard-working black man who was a social worker yeah. and owned a pet bird and steve engelhart went that's not believable is he from Harlem and black? Then he must be an angry young man who becomes a criminal. And, and it's not a great look. No. So anyway, Snap Wilson, uh, on his way to a big score in Rio de Janeiro, big score probably means drug deal. Yes. He, he crash lands on uh, Nazi Island and um, <laughs> befriends a wild falcon. See, this is the problem. So, Steve Englehart is like, ah, oh, that original story is inconceivable <laughs> and silly. I'm going to make it more gritty and real with criminals and drug deals yeah. and racism in the streets and an angry man. It still ends with him crashing on Nazi Island and befriending a falcon. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> like I like that. That sounds it, like an old serial. Like, like... Jim Rogers on Nazi Island. <laughs> Very much so. Um, then the Red Skull uses uh, his old friend the Cosmic Cube to do two things. First of all, it psychically bonds Snap Wilson to the Falcon for reasons we don't know. And two, it warps reality to right. erase his criminal past and create a new reality where... Sam Snap Wilson is a happy social worker. Okay. Just in time for Snap Wilson slash Sam Wilson 
to become best friends with Captain America on this island. So he right? retconned the previous story, but wrote it into his story anyway. That's that's Marvel. It, it, it's not again. It's not that it, these all these things happened, and then things like you, you discover new information. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just, it just, it's just funny. So once they've been best friends and partners for a while, Captain America and Falcon, the Red Skull takes out the Cosmic Cube again and pings the Falcon back to being nasty Snap Wilson. So now he's got the perfect inside man undercover oh, agent. Oh, very nice. And then he has tries to have uh, Snap kill Cap. It was Snap versus Cap, the Battle of the Titans. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't work because the Red Skull gave Snap Wilson too many happy memories. So his mind rebels against the original persona. He's like, I don't want to be that guy. And he stays as the good Sam Wilson. That's fair play. Uh, okay, but before we continue, please tell me there aren't any more changes and retcons. Well, tough luck. Uh, oh. 2014. <laughs> 2014, someone looked at all of that stuff and thought, that looks mad. So a further retcon was introduced that said the whole Snap Wilson thing in, that happened second was bollocks. And it was a set of false memories created by the Red Skull, I guess, to try and convince him to be a bad guy. Okay. So the Snap Wilson thing was never real now. That was always the false bit. The subterfuge was in itself subterfuge. Yes, the first original nice social worker Sam Wilson story is the real one. Okay, okay. As of 2014. Might have changed again last night. Who knows? Um, Do we think that's the end of retcons, Will? I'm... Do you know what? No. Do you know? Do you know? I, I, I'm just going to lie down and 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 let the retcons happen. Trample all over me like a herd. Uh, in 1980, wait, when was this? It was in the in the in the 80s. The Falcon was hunted by a Sentinel, like an X-Men Sentinel, hmm. which meant that Sam Wilson is actually a mutant. Oh, okay. And the reason he was able to like befriend a wild falcon <laughs> and train it and the reason why it like does whatever he wants is because he's got like a mutant connection with this falcon okay uh and then <laughs> in 2001 another writer said that's stupid the falcon sh- <laughs> the falcon shouldn't be a mutant no. and they got rid of got rid of that all that aside, the Falcon becomes really important really quickly. Um, he's the second. He's one of the. I think he's the second black superhero Marvel have have, have had. Um, and instead of just being like this throwaway character mm. that's introduced for one story, they get off the island and and kind of doesn't come back. I mean that happens, but then they keep bringing the Falcon back. For multiple more adventures um, with Captain America, he becomes a recurring Cap character. Um, Cap sort of mentors him a little bit along, and they have tons of adventures together. And then he eventually he becomes 
properly like Cap's partner. Um, and when that happens, it it immediately feels like it's the thing that's been missing from Cap's solo stories in the 60s. Um, he'd always had a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters throughout his, 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 like his supporting cast and other superheroes guest starring, but now his stories ran a lot smoother and faster simply because of that old thing of having a sidekick lets the dialogue flow. And and the Falcon gave him... It freshened Captain America up. It made him a bit more part of the real world. Yeah. Um, and, and, and especially because the Falcon lives in Harlem, in like a normal apartment in Harlem. So Cap isn't like... Didn't start every adventure on a flying helicarrier over Manhattan, he or in the Avengers Mansion. Sometimes he goes to see Sam in a normal apartment. Nice, yeah. nice. So I, I, I can imagine being really good with the dialogue flowing and everything because you do need that sort of backup in the terms of narrative. But that said, that said, is he popular as Captain America's partner? Does he fill the Bucky-shaped hole? It, m- more than Bucky. Oh, fantastic! Um, well, well, that um, I mean, it'd be hard to judge because you'd need to know how many kids bought Captain America because of Bucky, and I mean, sales weren't as good certainly because you can't compete to those. You can't compete with the U.S. military buying <laughs> like <laughs> half a million copies. Um, but in 1971, they changed the cover of Captain America. It was no longer Captain America. It, as of nineteen seventy one, the comic book was Captain America and the Falcon. Oh wow! Uh, that is that's huge. Mm. Um, Getting second billing that had never been done before, and it's very very rarely been done since. Um, now, a black character uh, getting front cover billing like this had never happened, and 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 Black Panther was just a guest star at the time. So Black Panther did not have his own comic book series. Hmm. And it would be another year before Luke Cage would explode on the scene with his own comic ah, book. Ah, yes, Luke Cage. So the the Falcon is like the like the first the first black hero to get front cover billing. Nice. Admittedly second billing, but it's a big it's a big moment um for for, for Marvel. Um and he carried that front cover billing on Captain America until the end of the decade. Um, and what's important, what is important about Falcon is that the word sidekick is never used. Oh. He is always referred to as Captain America's partner. Oh, that's nice. And he's given way more agency than teen sidekicks like Robin and Bucky were. Um, he, There are times when he says to Cap, I need to go out and be my own man. And the Captain America and Falcon comic would be almost split narrative. Captain America is doing something, Falcon is doing something, and of course they dovetail at the end, and yeah. you know that the two cases are related or whatever. But there are a couple of times when he's like, "No, nah, I need to get out from under your shadow and be my own man." Um, and they do, they do have some actual conversations about race. Ooh. Okay. Now, admittedly, yes. these are conversations about race being written by a white man, drawn by a white man, edited by a white man, and published by a white man. But <laughs> they still managed to, at the very least, get some dialogue in where 
Falcon yells at Captain America for thinking he has all the answers mm. to the black person's problem, to, to, to the race issues going on, telling him that he cannot understand what it's like to be a black man in America, and forcing Cap to kind of throw his hands up and go, you admit that he's wrong and say you're right, and yep, I've been getting it wrong, and I don't know, and I need to learn. That's something. That's it's not as good... As having an actual black voice, <laughs> but it's something for the for the ninety for the early seventies. That's you know? not bad considering. It reminds me of the episode of South Park uh, where Stan's dad says uh, says that word on what was it Wheel of mm. Fortune, and he's constantly trying to apologise to the only black kid in school, and he goes, I and he keeps saying, I'm really understand, I'm really sorry, I, I totally understand how this must be bad for you, and he's like, Ugh, why don't you? Why? Why are you trying to talk like this? And at the end, he just goes, "I, I don't understand. I'm sorry, but I don't understand." And that's what reconciles them. And, and you know, the understanding that he is that he can't understand. That's, that's yeah. Just, it's. I mean, you know I what? It's that. very similar. It's very similar to that episode of South Park. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it the is. Wheel of Fortune and. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. the Wheel of Fortune was basically a metaphor for Nazi Island. But yeah, sure. 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 Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, it just yeah. made me. It's a nice tangent. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> let's let's get on to the real problem. You mentioned, uh, sorry, not, so, not to disparage anything. You mentioned earlier that he can't fly yet. How does the Falcon get his wings in the comic? Yeah, it's like he doesn't even have um, like the, the iconic picture of uh, image of of the Falcon is that he's got these um, like talon wings going down his his arms. Yeah, um, but he doesn't have that to be. He has he has a, a really. I think it's a really awesome green costume to begin with um which i particularly enjoy and then he changes it up and gets like a white and uh orange i want to say orange or light red one hmm. but it, but still no 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 wings uh by 74 sam wilson is sick of being just like a a costumed athlete who tries to keep up with Captain America's yeah. fighting skills. Um, and during a fight where uh, basically these thugs come and attack Sam because they recognise him on the street and try to you know kill him. And then Captain America arrives. as While Sam's fighting off one of them, just the mere appearance of Captain America sends the rest of them running away because they don't want to like fight someone with powers. Um, and the Falcon grows really angry and despondent and, and, and says that he, you know... He just feels like Cap's mascot and pet. Yeah. Um, and that to truly be his partner, he needs to become something more. Yeah. Um, Cap says that the Avengers would be able to help, and he suggests that Hank Pym could maybe create a, a serum or a chemical to give him powers. Tony Stark could design and build him something. But, but Sam absolutely rejects that. He does not want his powers to come from a white man. Um, and instead, he seeks out the Black Panther. Ooh. Um, so it's T'Challa who designs and builds the new suit for the Falcon that includes these super strong jet-powered glider wings Excellent. with it, it, it advanced Wakandan technology that allows him to control it all with his mind. You know, it's built into the, the circuitry of the costume. Um, and it's, it's, it's really key that this prominent black character who's been talking about race and the struggle of the, of the black man in the 70s, doesn't derive then his powers and abilities from 
a white benefactor or a white saviour. That would have been really poor. Um, The Falcon, with his powers, is then connected to Marvel's first black superhero, to this powerful black royal family and and, and this nation of African culture, um, which is a a really... really, And they've maintained that relationship throughout the years. There's always a connection between Falcon and and T'Challa and Wakanda, which is really... um, really important for the character um i think it's pretty great as well that the falcon earns his position as a hero with no powers yeah you know he he made himself a hero with all of his personal qualities and this constant need to make sure the average guy the man on the street isn't being crushed and and, and beaten down and then he gets his his powers um i think that's a cool part of the of the comic book character what's that that line that Tony Stark says to uh, Peter Parker in, in Homecoming: "If you're nothing with that, with if you if you're nothing without, if you, yeah, if, if you if you don't if you if you're nothing without this without the suit, then you shouldn't have you shouldn't it. Shouldn't have it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I, I and I think line. that that resonated um, that resonated for me with with this kind of thing that if the Falcon was nothing without the the, the jet suit, then had he, had he ever really earned his position? We now enter the portion of the show which you may consider to have spoilers. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think so. We're we're not <laughs> going to be talking about anything that happens in in the in the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV series. But Will has got some questions about the characters that appear in it. I mean, the characters that appear in it are it's only the same as watching a trailer or seeing a, a list of, of 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 the names of characters that are going to be in it. Uh, he's got some questions about these characters and and what they're like in the comic books. However, if you feel that that is far too much for you in terms of spoilerdom, that's where that sort of, this sort of stuff begins and starts. So, Will, where do you want? Well, first of all, yeah. Before we even get to that, are you enjoying the series? We've not seen the last episode yet. We've, I I have to say it's. Um... How 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 much can I talk about my enjoyment of the series here? Because I because I I've, I've got things well, to say. Uh, don't give spoiling. anything away. Just what? I, just I, have I, you enjoyed it? I, I I have enjoyed it. It's been a bit of a gear change from One Division. I'll say that. It's been it's yeah, been sure. good. And the p- last episode, watched episode five, was particularly was, was brilliant. I, I really um, I really loved it. Especially the at the end of the previous the episode before that, that had quite a shocking ending. But yeah, it's mm, it's yeah. it's got better, better. It's it's great. Uh, it's just I I wasn't sure in the first three episodes. I wasn't sure, like if I was enjoying it as much. I I, I take it I think from something you said earlier that you were perhaps expecting a bit more of a fast paced, that fast paced kind of buddy cop thing that the trailer made it <sighs> seem like it was going to be. Yeah, and I I I feel stupid now for letting myself fall for it. Oh no, that's what they told you. That's what they sold you on. They sold me on it, but it's like it should be a case of oh, I thought it was going to be like that, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way more anyway. But now I'm just sort of like I wish it was a buddy cop thing. I really wish it was at times because it would have been a bit more hey Tony Stark style fast talking and back and forthing and insulting each other. But it wasn't. I, I, 
But no, but 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 hang on. We talked about how how great it is that it's so similar to Winter Soldier, man. Yeah, but there wasn't a, a lot of that in Winter Soldier. There was good dialogue in Winter Soldier, but it wasn't the it wasn't the kind of jokey nature I was hoping. That's what for. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If it had been a buddy cop thing, it would have been more like Iron Man than than, yeah. than the Captain America yeah, series. Yeah. I I really like that the moments of levity and jokes mm. are really grounded in reality. They're grounded in. In what you'd find in other kind of more serious movies, um, yeah. it's the it's it's like how there was that there was funny stuff between Natasha and Steve in Winter Soldier, but it wasn't overly it wasn't in the same way there is that comedy stuff that you get in either Ant Man or in 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 Iron Man. Yeah, um, yeah. It, but but I'm a, yeah. I, you were gonna say I, I I'm I. I absolutely love this series. I I love it. I think it's incredible. I think it um, has got better with every episode as well, which is really good. It's definitely improved as it's gone along, definitely. I, I, I just think its commentary uh, is carrying over from the Captain America movies, the themes of them. Well, all, all, all the MCU movies are about the morality of power, mm. but I think particularly the, the Captain America ones... Are and if we thought that the idea of the morality of power would end once we tackled Thanos and that kind of stuff, um, I think it's fantastic that we're seeing that that is not the case, both in One Division and in this series. Um, I again cannot, I can't get, I really can't say too many great things about how how great the Falcon character is. Mm. Um, um, perhaps we'll talk uh, and maybe unscripted show or something about it. Maybe we'll do a Patreon, you know, wrap up show about it or something. Oh, definitely. Because um, there's a lot of stuff I'd like to say without giving too much away to people. Um, anyway, you've got questions, brother. I've got questions. I'll go with the most vague, overarching one first. Uh, the the stuff that happens in the episodes. This this is all what happens in the comics book, comic books, right? It is based on yeah, the comic- but, but, yeah. But we're not going to talk about what goes on in in the TV show. We're going to talk about. The comic books. Yeah, talk about the yeah. comic books. Yeah, so that that all happens. Amazing. Okay, so no, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying all that happens in the comic books. I'm just saying we're only going to talk oh. about the comic books. Right, right. Sorry, if I meant about, about the comparison. Um, okay, first of all, what are the flag smashers all about? <clears throat> ah, okay. I'll dance around this a little. Yeah. In the in the comic books, flag smasher is a person. Oh, okay. It's a costumed supervillain, terrorist supervillain, intended to be like the new Red Skull for the 80s. (laughs) Okay. The idea is that he would be ideologically opposed from Captain America, Mm. uh, but different to the idea of fascism. He would actually be a a terrorist supervillain that wanted to end all um, all countries, basically, and have no separation. No flags, yeah. no countries, one world. Um, Karl Morgenthau, um, the son of a wealthy Swiss banker turned diplomat, um, his dad was trampled to death in a riot at an embassy. Ooh. Um, after some terrorist action, and Carl came to believe that the, crim- the, the, the the thing to blame there was the concept of nationalism. Um, 
and uh, so yeah, flag flag smasher is is his um, supervillain terrorist kind of uh, global terrorism identity to spread anti nationalism, anti to do away anti nationalism to do away with the idea of nations. So that would be ideologically opposed to Captain America, who represents very strongly the greatest <laughs> aspects of a nation. Yeah. Flag, masher, Flag Smasher says nations are inherently uh, nationalism is inherently bad and wrong. You you are literally wearing a flag, and I want to smash you. Um, that's he. Uh, that, that that's the yeah. antithesis of Captain America. That's a good. That's a good, well designed supervillain. Yeah, and, and and in a different way to you know fascism and mm. and democracy and that kind of thing. Um, he he, um, quite interestingly, uh, went on a, a a campaign of terror in in Manhattan against national symbols, Statue of Liberty. Mm. You you know this 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 rings slightly similar to some current situations. Um, you know, targeting statues and monuments and things like that. Yeah. Um, and he he held people hostage until Captain America stopped him. He then established his own like terrorist group mm. called Ultimatum. Ooh, I like strap. Guess what? what? Every letter in that stands oh, for something. God, what does it stand for? He, the Underground Liberated Totally Integrated Mobile Army to Unite Mankind. There was a bit <laughs> of uh, grease lightning there. <laughs> what's the what's the what's it? <laughs> Underground liberated, totally underground liberated, totally integrated mobile army to unite mankind. Underground liberated, totally integrated mobile army to unite mankind. It's the underground liberated, totally integrated mobile army to unite mankind. Go Greece, let yeah. it go. <laughs> That's all I'm hearing when I'm hearing that. That's it, maybe yeah. they should have had flying cars. That would have helped. Um, yeah, yeah. Flying cars so, for no reason. Yeah, yeah he, he he launches attacks on 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 Captain America and, and Shield, um, and he battles several different Captain Americas. Uh, the there are several different people that become Flag Smasher over the years. He's a very like so. There is at his core, um, a character trait that that. So what he wants to establish is world peace. Mm. This is something that we, we kind of bear in mind if we're watching a TV show. <clears throat> There's a possibility to understand and sympathise with his idea that uh, global unity, global cooperation is his end goal. Yeah. Um, but to do that, he's going to blow things up and murder people. Mm. <clears throat> so, yeah. He's generally considered a... a God, a real... Tzz, not even a D-list, a Z-list villain. He's way down there. <laughs> he's way down there. I lo- yeah, I, he's not... He's. I just say I love the way the MCU's sort of digging up these Z-list villains and going, you know what, let's scrub them off. Let's scrub them off. Concepts. We'll find a Concepts, way. man. Yeah, yeah, concepts. Concepts. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. So that's all about Flag Smashers? Indeed. Uh, okay. Uh, let's go over someone familiar. Okay, my question is: Who is Baron? Von, uh, ba- I was going to say Baron von Zemo. I just yeah, Baron Baron von Zemo. Uh, it was Zemo. Okay, who is Baron von Zemo in the comic <coughs> books, and what's his connection to the Winter Soldier? Well, obviously, do aspects of this when we do Civil War later this year. Yeah. 
So I don't know how much I want to delve into. Okay, the just give me a brief outline. We'll go deeper with them with with Civil War. The twelfth Baron Zemo Heimlich von Zemo um, is one of the top scientists of the Nazi Party in in the forties. Zemo fought the Howling Commandos, Dick Fury, Captain America, sadistic genius, created. Mad weapons for the for for the, for the Nazis. Mm. Um, the war. I, I can't go in. One of them is the war wheel, which <laughs> is this giant rolling, like it's like one. It's a wheel with guns all over it, and it's the size of a building, <laughs> and it rolls down the bat the the, the the theater of combat, and and like someone is in, but people are inside it at every stage, and it's a hollow wheel with guns everywhere. Insane man. That is insane. Um, like the like the classic mad scientists of the uh, uh, of the fifties and stuff, but they made him a like a war general. Anyway, um, Zemo began wearing a reddish pink, purple a purple hood mm. over his face. One of his inventions was, and he was very very pleased about this. A super glue. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, this glue was so sticky. Oh. He called it Adhesive X. Oh, God. That is such a nerdy thing to call it. Oh. An extremely strong super glue that could not be dissolved or removed by any process known to man. Yeah. For some reason, the Nazis really wanted this, and the Allies really wanted them not to have it. Because they'll save I, a I fortune don't... on nails. <laughs> we must discard all sellotape. We have no more need for sellotape. Don't use welding equipment or rivets. We have adhesive X. Um, so the Allies send Captain America to destroy the supply of super glue. Um and Zemo's, you know, there, ah, yellow and yelling and ranting. And um, <laughs> Captain America throws his shield at the vat and 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 of, of super glue, and it pours out onto Zemo, who's standing Ooh. underneath it, and it pours onto the the hood, the purple hood, no. seeps in and permanently attaches this purple hood to his to his face. He can never remove the the <laughs> the, the purple the purple hood from no, from his face. No, this is like black um, mask from Batman. Um, there's been so many of them. I can't remember what origin had what, but sure, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Zemo is the one who launched the ballistic missile. That Cap and Bucky tried to stop that led Bucky to be killed and Cap to go in the ice. Ah, okay. So that makes him like this top tier Captain America villain. Yeah. Because he's he's responsible for Cap's life kind of ending and going into the ice and he killed Bucky essentially. Um and and all of that sort of stuff. And Cap when he wakes up, remember so when that that happens in the forties, when Cap wakes up, it's the sixties, so Zemo's still around, he's just got older, and Cap is able to 
get revenge, track him down, uh, defeat him and everything. Um, and during that battle, Zemo, Helmut von Zemo dies. Um, and Cap feels like he's finally avenged Bucky's death. I don't know how that happens in the modern telling because Cap doesn't come out of the ice in the 60s anymore. So Helmut, Helmut von Zemo would have been ancient by the time yeah. Cap comes out, if, if even still alive. Anyway, I'm telling you the history as I know it. This death leads his title, his resources, and his hatred for Captain America to be inherited by his son, the new Baron Helmet Zemo. Heinrich, Heinrich was the first one, this one's Helmet, yeah. And um, he then begins to resurface and, uh, and target Captain America uh, in various ways that we'll talk about in, in Civil War. Ah, oh, fantastic. We'll save it for then. Okay, next question. What can you tell us about John Walker? Man, this one's this one's really interesting. Mm. Um, so John Walker was first introduced by celebrated one of the golden age Captain America writers, Mark Grunwald, mm. um, in in the nineteen eighties, and he created John Walker to basically be the opposite number to. So Captain America is nationalism and patriotism done 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 for good. Yeah. But Grunwald was concerned about just how often and frequently patriotism is used by nationalists and more often than not people that are overtly loud about patriotism tend to be using it negatively. Yeah. So he created John Walker to embody this the dark side, the negative side of of ultra patriotism. Um, the so he 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 said I I wanted to do the opposite of Steve Rogers. Uh, Steve Rogers is a poor northern urban boy, so this guy is middle class, rural, and southern. Cap is now old, so this guy will be really young, up and comer. Um, Cap has lofty ideas. Super Patriot um, is thinks he's more pragmatic um, and doesn't have ideology like that, mm. and and that's kind of what he put together. And he created John Walker as this guy called the Super Patriot. Oh boy, the Super Patriot um, has one of the I just think it's one of the all time greatest. It's an incredible costume. It's so bright and cool and awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, he is a corporate sponsored superhero. Oh boy, he gains his uh, superpowers. You've got to come up with a different catchphrase. <laughs> I'm not, I can't take another old boy. <laughs> I'm going to use all the old boys I have left in this bag. Uh, he gets his, his powers from this really dodgy villain dude called the Power Broker who can give. <laughs> Who can give superpowers to individuals, but then yeah. when he does that, you're under his thumb, yeah. and you are like have to go out and commit crimes and bring loads of money for him and stuff like that. Um, so the the super patriot basically doesn't do any superheroing stuff. Mm. He holds these big public rallies where he stands and gives speeches as this kind of demagogue figure, and these very right wing 
or you know patriot ultra patriotic nationalists come to his right wing rallies to hear him speak and cheer and lots of rock and roll music is played <laughs> um and he's he's got corporate sponsorship and he has all these deals to be done um he has um he he, he also has these three extremist supporters mm. the bookies oh wow uh, the bookies all dressed like Bookie from the forties, yeah. but they're big hench, like bodybuilder wrestler dudes. And the bookies, it's meant to stand for bold urban commandos. <laughs> the bookies, <laughs> the bookies, and um, super patriot supporters commit these awful right wing racist attacks oh, on communities. Um setting fire not quite burning crosses, but they burn other things in effigy yeah. on the front lawn of immigrants and, and, and things like that. And whenever Super Patriot is confronted about this, he's like, it's nothing to do with me. It but some of my supporters are too enthusiastic. But you know, I don't I don't do any of these things. I just whip them up into a frenzy with my rallies. Oh that sounds like um, someone familiar. <laughs> Indeed, brother. Mark Grunewald's uh, yeah. a very savvy writer. Yeah. Um, way back in 1980-something. Um, Super Patriot and Captain America have a fight that basically just ends in a draw. Nothing really nothing really comes out of it. Um, and John Walker, though, basically he, he becomes a celebrity. Um, and newspapers and television things do articles and things on him. They start calling him America's Future. And it's based on this idea that Cap is old, Cap is done. The 80s was about um, selfishness, right? Yep. Self self betterment, me, me, me. Me first in the gimme gimmies mm. was, you know, the Super Patriot is like Reagan's superhero. Yeah. Thatcher's superhero. Yeah. Um, and. Um, what what happens is the 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 commission for superhuman activities take notice the presidential advisor valerie cooper takes notice and when captain america when when steve rogers is is ordered to take all his um all his instructions and actions directly from the commission on superhuman activities and he can never operate without their permission mm. he abandons the captain america identity and goes off on his own to do something different. Um, and so this Superhuman Activities Committee say, you know who'd make a great new Captain America? It's that guy who says Captain America is a terrible idea and shouldn't exist, John Walker. <laughs> um, the commission actually debate who the new Captain America should be. One candidate is Nick Fury. Because he already runs their intelligence agency. Yeah. Um, but they basically, not only is he too old, but they think he wouldn't want to give up autonomy and come and work for us, where yeah. now he has no boss. And the other is Sam Wilson, the Falcon. But oh. they um, they basically say that America is not ready for a black Captain America. Um, there's so much of this is, is really prevalent to to the, the Falcon Winter Soldier um, story being told on television. Um, and so John Walker's reintroduced... In um, in Captain America three 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 as the new Captain America, um, and he said about it at the time, like 
there's also a commercial reason for doing all of this. Yeah. Um, so with Iron, Grunewald said, with Iron Man, for example, we had James Rhodes take the lead character's place, and we did that for two years. Mm. Um, in Thor, we had Beta Ray Bill take Thor's place. So this sort of thing that's been done to shake uh, shake up people before. You know, I'm responsible for it in Iron Man, and I was editor of Thor at the time of Beta Ray Bill, and believe me, it's a trick I know works because I've seen it work a number of times. It's just to get you to notice so that um, so that people who don't normally read the comic will say, oh, I heard something about this, let me read it and see. And with luck, folks will get hooked on the storyline. So there is a commercial reason behind making this big change. Mm. But the audience was told, Steve Rogers is no longer going to be Captain America. We are going with John Walker now. Um, and in having... In having Steve Rogers kind of move away and John Walker take over the role, Grunwald said that he was hoping to better define what Captain America, the concept, is by seeing someone groping, trying to live up to it, trying to grasp all the facets of the concept and failing. Um, but Walker developed... The, so another part of it was that before any of this, the best-selling cover of the comic was issue 321 where Captain America on the front cover is 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 firing a uh, a gun for some reason people absolutely loved that Captain America was firing a gun and this <laughs> sold like gangbusters yeah and it resulted in many fans contacting uh Marvel and Greenwald wanting him to rambo eyes Captain America oh. to to make him an anti-hero, to make him more like Punisher or Wolverine. And Grunwald considered this an absolute violation of who Captain America is, of his principles, yeah. of his character, of his personality. So Grunwald basically said, okay, if you think that's what you want, I will give you an anti-hero Captain America. But it's not going to be Steve Rogers, because Steve Rogers can't do that. He's Gary Cooper in High Noon. Yeah. Um, so they that that's where John Walker comes in and <laughs> Grunwald intends it to be this like see how dark it is see how wrong it is see what a mistake it would be to have this power in this person's hands doing what you think you want him to do but people really enjoyed it and loved it and John Walker developed his own following and oh. The whole satire yeah. of Punisher, the whole satire of Rambo, the whole satire of Wolverine had to be kind of thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> and as it started selling more and more and going well, they had to stretch the story out. And Grunewald basically had to start turning John Walker into much more of a heroic character to suit the longer story. But he is still an anti-hero. It is still very... There are moments of real darkness. He still is not suited at all to be Captain America. They do still tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. I was about, I was about to say, with uh, with someone else playing Captain America like that, you've got to have a flawed person doing it because Steve Rogers is like the one in a million chance of finding this person to take the super soldier serum. Someone who can appreciate it, who has the good intentions, who has the good heart and the, the the morality for it but anybody else 
corrupted indefinitely. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know. It's interesting, and perhaps we'll we'll get to talk about it. I, I, I I'm I'm torn on the idea of if it is corruption or if it is simply extenuating what is already it's hard man it's really hard sometimes those lines blur in these things and that's what makes it interesting i always think about these times when these like these incredible these these professional football players these idolized stars or whatever get caught cheating on their on their significant other yeah yeah and i'll hear certain people say well my person would never cheat on me and I always want to say, your person is is Dave, <laughs> and he goes to work and he comes home and he occasionally goes to his local pub. <laughs> These people are exposed to people throwing themselves at them with adulation all over the world. The most incredibly beautiful humans throwing at them like string free sexual intercourse in the best clubs the best nightlife the best everything across the other side of the country or the world from where their home life is it is not the same as turning down someone you know who knows your significant other in a pub around the corner from your house the opportunity can be there and 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 that kind of thing with power yeah or success or whatever, perhaps does expose who we who we are all along, or, or, or let us you know we we may never have encountered that temptation before. Exactly, it reminds me of um, the Dylan Moran bit where he's saying, saying outrage at people being found out in compromising situations. All these famous people and the people going, "Oh, the shame! Oh, what's a shame? I, of course, I would never do that. I, I've never really had the chance to do that, but I'm sure I would never do absolutely. that. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's, it's who who's weak and who's strong. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I always think of this line from it's non-canon. It's a what if story, and uh-huh. the story is what, what if, um, I, it's what if the Punisher became Captain America. It's convoluted. <laughs> what if stories are convoluted? And actually, we've got something about this coming up. Um, what if stories are convoluted? But yeah, they, they, they basically recruit Frank Castle to be Captain America, and it all goes horribly wrong. And uh, Nick Fury's got one line on it, and, he, and they're like, we can't believe, why wouldn't it work? He was a decorated Marine. Uh, and Nick Fury's like, in Vietnam. He says, he just says this, different war breeds a different soldier. Yep. It's not just that they're soldiers, it's the circumstances and the fight itself. Um, so that's John Walker. Oh, amazing. Okay, next question. Lamar Hoskins, Battlestar. Is there anything we need to know about him? John Walker's partner. Um, yeah, so so he's created by Mark Grunwald, Paul Neary, and was originally a nameless member of those bold urban commandos I talked about. Ah, the Buckies. Yeah. Um, he he gets given his name and identity. You know, like he's he's just a ba- he's just, he has no he's an non named character to begin with. Um, and Grunwald was always getting letters about when you're going to bring Bucky back. Hmm. When are you going to bring Bucky back? When are you going to bring Bucky back? So he was like, well, you know, it was previously Captain America and Falcon and all that. So I, I could do another white white guy, black guy thing. Um, and and that's kind of what he, he wanted to do. Um, however, 
It went so when John Walker becomes Captain America, he has to get rid of his agent, his his celebrity agent. He has to get rid of his corporate sponsors. Um, he has to get rid of all that kind of stuff, and he has to ditch the problematic, racist, uh, bold urban commandos. But one of them kind of wasn't. One of them was Lamar Hoskins, who wasn't like that, but he was part of the team and everything. Um, however. The problem with turning a black man into a character called Bucky when you're a white person who does not understand context and things is that you put your foot in it and and you can upset people. Um, Writer Dwayne Duffy informed Mark Grunewald after things had gone to print that the word book is a derogatory term among African Americans. It was used um, before the the Civil War to refer to male slaves. Oh... Um, and and also, it's just an awful, terrible look to have an adult black man take on the role of a child sidekick. Yeah. Um, and Grunewald, you know, not not kind of knowing about the word book and all that, but also having not considered the thing that should have been obvious, the embarrassment of having a, a black man play that kind of role, um, did something very different with the story and said, basically has, has um, that come up in the story that conversation come up and Lamar being confronted with he's kind of he's almost not quite a minstrel but he's almost in the minstrel territory he's let himself be played here yeah um so he ditches that creates a brand new star spangled costume which is again very cool very awesome a little bit similar to the super patriot costume battlestar's costume is one of my all-time favorites battlestar is Weirdly, one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters. He's not in a huge amount of stories, but when I was a kid reading it, I loved Battlestar. His costume was a huge part of it. He looked awesome. He had a great couple of. I had a great couple of comics with him in. Um, you know, he's not got superpowers. He's an average guy. He's got a shield and everything. But yeah, he he, he takes the name Battlestar instead of Bucky. And uh, is presented as a partner rather than a, than a sidekick. Okay, okay. I also uh, was giggling at the whole idea of Buc- Bucky's. You know, the uh, the big the, the, the was it was it something Urban Commandos, bold Urban, urban Com- Commandos. Yeah, wearing these, yeah. wearing these tiny little, like very they very, they were very tight Bucky, like because Bucky's costume from the forties is like really camp <laughs> yeah yeah because all i'm thinking now is okay what if they did that with robin and now i'm just thinking yes. of really buff men in tight yellow hot pants you've, you've got it exactly that's exactly what it was weird yeah <laughs> that is very very odd all right last question the falcon the winter soldier do either of them mm. ever become captain america this is the big one. We've been having we've been having this question an awful lot. Um, one thing I should probably say before we dive into this most hotly anticipated question is that we do have an episode, a bonus episode on Patreon, uh, where we delve into all the many different captains of America. Um, there have been numerous before we even got to to, to, to some of these. Um, that's up there and available as a mini-episode, and the mini-episodes are available to everyone who uh, donates on just a £3 tier or above. So if you're going to pledge your support to us, then you can get access um, to that to that mini-episode all about the different Captain Americas. 
to give people what they actually want to hear after a little plug of patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel the answer is yes both of them so <laughs> there's a period of time when steve rogers is apparently dead seemingly dead um, is the phrase seemingly as, dead as i said earlier in my wikipedia <laughs> synopsis reading seemingly dead Bucky is the Winter Soldier and has only just had those memories returned to him when his best friend, his soulmate is killed Mm. Um, and and Bucky knows straight away that this is going to not be good, like he knows that other people are going to immediately use Steve's image and legacy to do bad things. He knows the government will do bad stuff with it. They'll like they'll fill the role with somebody else. And he knows that kind of maybe even worse than that, all the nut jobs out there will start to use Cap's image and legacy for whatever yeah. twisted vision of patriotism that they have. Um and that there won't be someone to stand up and say no that's not what I stand for, or say to the government, tell them to go and do something, no, that is not my mission. My mission is not for you, it's for them. Um, And he was immediately proved correct uh, and proved how necessary um, this is because uh, Frank Castle, the Punisher, tries to take the mantle of Captain America. He actually has um, Steve's blood-soaked mask from his from his from his murder, his assassination. Oh god! And uh, Frank wears the mask, changes his costume so it's red, white, and blue, and becomes a new deadly version of of Punisher. Um, but it but it but it stretches beyond Frank in Punny Cap's first mission. That's right, folks. Punny Cap. Punny Cap. In Punny Cap's first mission. He finds right-wing militant groups on the Mexico border who are bastardizing Cap's legacy and his image um, and dressing like Cap to hunt and kill illegal immigrants. Um, So Punny Cap's answer to this is to wear Cap's old mask and carrying his colors, the Punisher starts publicly executing (laughs) criminals and this right-wing hate group um, on the news. Broadcast everywhere. Wow. Bucky sees this, and this is just the most awful tarnishing of a great legacy. And it's immediate. It is the first thing that happens after Cap is dead. So Bucky confronts uh, Frank Castle in Washington, uh, levels a lot of home truths at him, tells him, you know, that, that, that Steve would think everything that Punisher was doing and everything he stands for is like a grotesque nightmare. Um, Punisher, if he really looked up to, if, if Frank really looked up to Steve, uh, then then this this should be a million miles from whatever he does, and and you know Bucky says I can use my arm and I can take that mask off you, or you can hand it over, and you know Frank Frank hands it over and walks away, fair, fair. and Bucky Bucky realizes the only way to stop people from bastardizing the legacy is if he takes the shield and the mask, and despite the fact he doesn't feel worthy of it. He adopts the costume and the name, the identity, basically not to do it, but to stop anyone else from doing it. Like, it's it's a necessity. He has to do it. That, that reminds me of a friend of mine. He said, um, if I had all the money I could, you know, if I had infinite money, 
I would remake The Great Escape to stop anyone else remaking it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I get you, I get you. Yeah, there's a lot of things like that, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. To, uh, to make up for the fact that he isn't a super soldier, uh, Bucky wears a new adamantium-laced costume, so it's bulletproof. Um, he also carries a pistol and a hunting knife because he's still a soldier. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah he, he says with it with it with with a version of the avengers and then about a decade later there's a story where steve rogers has all the super soldier serum purged from his body ooh uh affecting him on like a genetic level so it it it, it removes all his powers and also it ages him he just becomes a regular old man um and unable to carry out his duty he asks sam wilson to carry the shield and take over as Captain America. Right. Um, the distinction is that Bucky became Captain America uh, as like a last resort out of necessity. Yeah. Steve Rogers chose Sam Wilson to replace him uh, and to carry on, the, not just to carry on the legacy, but to take the legacy even higher. Ah. To do more. Yeah. To do more as Captain America than had been done. To do it differently. To do it for different, you know, in, in a different way. Mm. Um, Sam Wilson has a very different Captain America costume. He actually maintains the Falcon suit, the Falcon wings, but now it has stars and stripes, you know, iconography on it. It's a paint job, so basically. He, yeah. So he is kind of almost still Falcon Cap. He yeah. he. This is a Captain America that can that can drop out of the heavens onto you can hurl his shield at you from <laughs> from the sky um and during this time during his time with the mantle sam wilson really proved himself to be every bit as rebellious as steve rogers um which we've talked about in the winter soldier episode he defies the government again and again um that that his man it, 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 he proves that patriotism is not anything to do with what the government, you know, are, are doing and things, and and not to do with shutting people out, it's to be welcoming everyone in and and going in the right direction. And he proves also that he's the moral center of the Marvel universe. And this is something I really believe that we well, can't talk about it, but we just saw in the last episode of of this of this Disney Plus series. Carrying the shield is meaningless. Having superpowers is meaningless. Captain America has to be the moral center yes. of the the Marvel universe, and Sam Wilson became that. And first thing he did, one of the first things he rebelled against was Shield when he learned that Shield were trying to create their own cosmic cubes and Ooh, weaponize them. Damn. And and more more than that, they were actively silencing anyone that was whistleblowing it. Um, so. This new Captain America turned on S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and refused to work for them and exposed them and stuff. And then Sam publicly distanced himself from the government and announced Captain America would no longer work for the administration in the White House, whoever that might be, mm. but he would work for the people. Um, and this led to a lot of right-wing detractors, both in the comic books and in real life. As soon as you make Captain America a black man, the, those awful people are coming for it on online and, yeah. and on message boards and on Twitter. Um, 
And uh, the, the author, Nick Spencer, wrote that into the comic book and had the public be basically split down the middle. Or not split down the middle, but had a very vocal, um, hate-filled group of people mm. who would call him Captain Socialism. Oh, um, God. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, over time, both Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, have replaced Steve Rogers, carried the shield as Captain America. The reading list for this episode, if you're interested in some of the things we've talked about and looked at, if you've enjoyed the Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV series uh, and you're looking for some really cool things to read, first and foremost, please, 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 please do not use Amazon to get your comic books from. Um, they just they just uh, underpay and they don't support the industry and all that sort of stuff. I know it's cheap and I know it's easy, but there are always out there, wherever you live, there are great bricks and mortar comic book shops in your area. Google your where you live and comic book shop and see what comes up. Um, and, and places like you know in our part of the world, shops are reopening again. I'll be going down to. Um, my local store, Two Fat Goblins, which I've been going to for 15 years to get some fantastic comic books uh, in the next uh, week or so. Really looking forward to seeing the grumpy shopkeeper all over again. But if you don't feel like you want to go to uh, shops, there are loads of really great independent online comic book retailers that will take PayPal and they will uh, nice and safe and secure and they'll deliver to your door. And maybe it takes a day or two late, longer than, than, than Amazon, but you're going to be supporting the industry that really needs you. I highly, highly, highly recommend Captain America Sam Wilson by Nick Spencer. Um, that's the really great series we're just kind of talking about where Sam becomes Captain America for the first time. Um, Sam Wilson is a great character. Spencer writes him so well for the modern time and the modern audience. Um, if you want to check out Winter Soldier as Bucky, then it it it, it happens just after the Marvel Civil War. Um, Captain America Volume Five by Ed Brubaker, um, and then the subsequent volumes from there follow um, follow uh, Bucky as Captain America, including. Uh, the trial of Bucky Barnes and things like that. So that's really cool. To read about that really interesting period in the 80s where John Walker is Captain America and what Steve Rogers did next, you can check out, um, I think it's called, the paperback collection is called Captain America The Captain. Um, and you can find that paperback collection there. That is the reading list. Will, thank you as ever for uh, your uh, queries, your questions, and your ignorance. Yay. Um, this show is nothing without Ignorant Will. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to be taking um, uh, a week off in the schedule. So things are going to be delayed by a week because one of us decided to get married. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And also, quite frankly, we've delivered six episodes in the month of April. It's time to give you guys a chance to catch up on on these uh, meaty, healthy girthy slices of marvel trivia you may not have been able to listen to every stitch and minute of everyone going along and we need to take a little breather from uh, from the verse adversary um take a little bit of time off i've got an exciting project that's uh, hopefully working on uh, the same week that will gets married um so uh, we're going to take a week off in the schedule uh, check out the twitter for when we're back or turn on auto-download so that you uh, automatically get the, the episodes coming through to you. You can follow us at Marvel Versus, and we'll keep you abreast of when we're returning. It will just be one week out of the schedule. And when we do come back, 
we're going to come back with another entry in our weird, wild, and wacky series. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a look at the first ever Marvel movie. Howard the Duck, baby. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please take the time to like us, give us five stars, subscribe to us. Why not leave a review or, hey, even recommend us to a friend that loves Marvel. We're going to take a week out to recharge the batteries and we'll come back with Howard the Duck.